Hey guys, this is Ralph Macho. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zapka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, and joining me on, you know, the episode's called Party Time, so I thought it'd be fitting to bring more than one guest host joining me on this uh, review of 408 is Carrie, and also Dorian. How are you two doing? Uh, we're good. Thanks hey. for having us, Peter. Yeah. Thank you for having us so, tonight. Absolutely. Uh, you guys are both part of the admin team uh, in our group page, the Facebook group page, uh, but Carrie, the uh, you wear a, a few different hats. You know, not only are you the host of a window of opportunity. Um, well, I guess the hat thing doesn't really quite apply, but there, <laughs> there was a specific reason that I reached out to you uh, for a review uh, to help yes. me finish up the season four episodes. Um, so we kind of talked about this yesterday, but um, there's something on our non-interview episodes that you contributed to. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the little intro you hear from uh, Ralph Macchio and William Zabka, uh, I got them to do that at C2E2 2019. Uh, Bree and I went to that along. There were several other Cobra Kai fans there, but before we went to the con, uh, we reached out, or I think, Peter, you reached out to us because you knew we were going and asked us if we wanted to come on after and do a sort of wrap up because that was one of the first big convention appearances for the cast because uh, it was between seasons one and two, which like just before season two was about to drop. Um, so we knew we'd probably be getting maybe some little season two tidbits. So, you know, I knew we were coming on and for some reason, I don't know where this thought came from but i was like i wonder if i could get ralph and billy to like say hi like plug season two and uh they they did right they were just like yeah sure no problem and just there there we go there they are and i still have them on my phone and every time i listen to your episodes and that pops up i kind of like do a little happy dance to myself because i was like that was me <laughs> yeah yeah it, it really is and you know uh the listeners, you guys are only hearing like, you know, bits and pieces from those conversations or, you know, those those little little things. So maybe I'll throw it on at the end of the episode. So after the music, you know, maybe I'll have those played. You guys will get to hear it in its entirety. Um, I have considered, you know, kind of changing it up. I, I, I don't think I will, though. But now that I have like Billy's message from Paley Fest, like I yeah. have considered like incorporating that into it. But I, I think I'll leave it as is. Um, I think it's fine. And m maybe maybe uh, something that, that Billy mentioned in, uh, at Paley Fest will be part of the outro in the future. I don't know. So we'll figure it out. But yeah, it was super nice. That episode is available in our um the, the back catalog where you mm -hmm. and Bree did join and you guys talked about seeing uh, the the, uh, the double date for the first time from yeah. episode 209. Yes. Uh, and also the the house party at Moons. Yep. So that's mm -hmm. what they showed at C2E2. So I do remember you guys coming on to talk about that story and Bree talked about how she fell to the ground because yeah. see, <laughs> Johnny and Daniel sharing <laughs> the table Daniel together. Johnny and Daniel on a double date. We were just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, what's happening? So was, yeah, yeah, so that's there. Fantastic. And 
you know, and it, it was a, an extremely nice gesture. I do appreciate it. And it's something I'm never going to forget because also you sent it to me on my birthday that year. So that was, was I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that was, was fortuitous. Okay, yeah. Awesome. So I was just like, she's acting from my email. Maybe she's sending me some digital art and <laughs> I, I don't know how one would go obtaining. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> audio clips. What is this? And I don't remember who I listened to first, but immediately I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And, and Dorian, you do, um, I, you don't have like the title of producer, but you basically do stuff <laughs> that producers do like behind, you know, uh, the scenes at, on like a radio show or a podcast, you know, you, uh, assist in, well, you will be helping out with, um, updating the the website which i constantly talk about and haven't even touched yet uh but you've also done like all these uh spreadsheets that i have asked for so you're kind of like uh not turtle from entourage but better than turtle from entourage <laughs> you know like that lovable guy that i can go to for anything for oh. sure yeah, I love doing producing. I'm finally putting my media career, uh, media degree to good use. And it's what better way than doing it on the best show of the 2010s right now. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. I mean, you've got so many amazing interviews, Peter. I mean, you've had Joe and Elisa. You've had a huge surprise with Ralph and Billy when you had the big three. It's just these all need to be like, I mean, they're all available on Apple and Spotify, but now you can click and share it everywhere and just go, there it is. Yeah. And it's, it, I do anything for you, mate. You're oh, a good friend, a good that. mate, and yeah, a top yeah. bloke, as we say here in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. We definitely go way back. Um, and, and you do, um, you know, some things on social media too, which we'll talk about at the, at the end when we wrap up, but just want to introduce, um, you know, the listeners to you guys and, and, uh, the reasons why, you know, like uh, everyone that I've asked, you know, th there's a reason that that they came on. They were just like kind of random, like who who can I fill a spot with, you know? So, um, so again, we're going to be discussing 408 today, Party Time, written by uh, Joe Piarelli and also Luan Thomas. This one is directed uh, previously, and with this one, Tanya uh, McKiernan, who we've only learned from this um from the season so uh this is my favorite episode of season four um we'll kind of go around the table real quick but uh starting with you carrie what we'll, we'll, uh, initial thoughts you know after kind of re-watching this episode yeah like you this is my favorite episode from this season it might be my favorite episode of the series as a whole it's at least in like the top five at least um i just love everything that happens in there's there's so much that happens in this episode like mike had said in 407 407 was sort of uh, a transition episode if you will between like sort of the first half as we then sort of lead into the tournament arc and then this is where i think the tournament arc really starts here with just all of the stuff we get from everybody like every cast member gets something in this episode it's not you know some episodes are more sort of miyagi-do stuff or more johnny stuff this one is really everybody gets their moment to do something and to shine and of course like all the johnny stuff that happens because i'm the johnny girl on this show um and i know you said when you were trying to figure out who to bring on for what episode you just put this into a randomizer but this feels personal to me because you know how i feel about this episode when we did it 
uh, in the rewatch that we do in the group, uh, like before the new season starts, we started doing this rewatch thing. And then after season four dropped, we're like, well, let's just keep doing it for season four too. And I did this rewatch uh, 408 in the group and I, you know, falling my eyes out live on camera with everybody. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I reached out to you because I had gotten the season four screeners, mm-hmm. you know, the, so the first time we ever got screeners on the show yeah. and I obviously saw the episodes ahead. So when you put your name in the hat, so, you know, you just, you know, I, I guess there's not too much to elaborate more on what you said. We do um, as leading up to the new season in our group page, we have, you know, members of the admin team take episodes and we will do one Cobra Kai episode watch along every single day. And we're like, yeah, let's just extend it to season four. Let's go from 30 days of Cobra Kai to 40 days of Cobra Kai. And you guys were like, yeah, that sounds great. And so all you guys picked episodes from season four blindly, you know, like you guys didn't know what to expect. So when you chose 408, I don't know if I just messaged you or texted you. Yeah. You texted me that was just like, Oh, I can't wait. I was just like, what? You can't (laughs) say that and not tell me why. What do you mean? Insert my purple uh, devil with the horns (laughs) emoji. Cause I, I I love to use that one. I, I I love to tease and poke at people. (laughs) You know, I learned from the best top dog Hayden. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> um, you gotta do what I do, but yeah, I, you know, you being a Johnny girl, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good episode for you, but also like, it's just a great episode. Oh, and so, you know, picking it just willy nilly, I was just like, yes, you know, I wanted to see who's going to get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so meaty, uh, we don't get too much of the like newer cast members, you know, like Kenny and, and Leah, uh, it's very much about the LaRusso's, the Diaz's and the Lawrence. It's King, you know, yeah, you know, family yeah. unit. Um, and also, you know, your, your Cobra Kai sensei. So yeah, it, it really focuses on them. Um, so much to talk about for sure. Uh, Doria, what, what about you, your initial thoughts or like, what do you remember, um, from watching this episode? <sighs> Well, I've seen it so many times, this episode. It's a great episode. The first time I saw it, um, uh, Jen, one of our mods in the group, messaged me saying, get the tissues. You're <laughs> going to need the tissues. And she was right. That that's moment, we'll talk about it once we get to it, it was an absolute tearjerker. Uh, but the episode itself is fantastic. And, you know, hats off to Sholo, Mary, Tanner, Gianni, Jacob, um, Tanner—they—they they, they just really hit it out the park in this episode, and it's and Peyton, of course, mm-hmm. um, just really incredible. And I mean, Billy just in this episode—it was—I think I feel like he goes from sort of tender to tough in just in a, in the blink of an eye and it's it's really incredible when he does it. he does it a lot in the show but this episode in particular i notice he 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 has this moment where he's like you know oh, i'm really tough and then there's that moment where he just sort of fades that 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 toughness fades away and he he becomes tender and vulnerable and that's and that's credit to his incredible acting in in this episode Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This episode I've probably seen the most out of any of the other episodes on, um, on season four. And, 
you know, I, I I've mentioned to you guys that I saw um, I watched this episode specifically about five times this previous week since the last episode review. Um, you know, I, I watch one time all the way through just to kind of refresh my memory, like what is in this episode? Then I go back and I kind of listen to the dialogue and then I go back and then I kind of watch things in the background. Then I take my notes and then I watch it one more time to see if there's anything else I missed dialogue or, or, you know, direction or whatever. So um, that doesn't always happen, but I was able to fit it in for this one for sure. Uh, Clocking in that roughly 35 minutes. It doesn't even feel, it feels like an hour, 35 minutes. Like it's so well paced, so well directed, so well written. And what's crazy is there's probably about another 10 minutes that was taken out of this. I, I can't even believe it. I want to, what, can we have those deleted scenes, please? Because (laughs) there's, yeah, like, there's so much that happens. Like, what got cut? Like, what got left out? Yeah. The season four DVD will have all those goodies, and we're just like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I know. I've got mine pre-ordered, so so I'll I'll have it when it drops. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I, that I, alternate I, I, ending. Yes, yes. yes. You, you know, <laughs> anything that has been like officially released, like I feel those usually end up on the DVDs anyway, and I'll be looking forward to it. Uh, for those that missed it, Joe and Luan's, um uh, interview should be out before this one. So uh, go back and, and listen to that one after this, if, if you know, when you have the chance, because they drop a lot of uh, great nuggets, which we'll, you know, kind of reference in here as well. Uh, but Joe does say um, uh, he he didn't reveal too much because in the event that they do end up in the DVD in terms of like the deleted scenes, extended scenes and whatnot, you know, he wants us to see it there. Right. And he says they're good. So, you know, I believe him. I don't think any of them has ever lied to us ever before. So, yeah. uh, so that's, that's the one thing. Like, that, that's the funny thing too. Like in the fandom, I'll see people say like, Oh, well, they better not do this or do that. I'm like, well, they haven't yet. So why would you think they do it now? Yeah. You know, yeah. with season five coming up. So you guys got to trust, uh, you know, the TB three, uh, that's why we followed the house of Schlielwitz. So <laughs> that's why it's I was going to wear that. I was going to wear it. But yeah, that's sure. You know, I think, I think you do have there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's um, it, it's a thing in our group page. If you if you want to dork out with us, you know, join the group. So, and as always, uh, Amy provided the synopsis uh, for this episode. She missed the last couple because uh, she was busy, and so she comes back with uh, party time. It's prom season, and everybody's excited. A pre-prom gathering of the LaRusso slash Lawrence families show us that Johnny and Daniel are still acting like pouty children and Anthony is still grounded. But Sam and Miguel only have a uh, only have starry eyes for each other, at least at the start of the night. Robbie and Tori, who managed to convince themselves that they should go together as a goof to mess with their exes, accidentally wind up being some of the only kids to actually have fun. After an 80s movie prom dance uh, spectacle managed to get under Sam's skin, they wind up in the middle of another 80s movie trope, a poolside catfight at a post-prom party thrown by an age-inappropriate host, FYI, Stingray's back. We meet cousin Vanessa, who is awesome, and manages to open Daniel and Amanda's eyes to the fact that they might not always have the best parenting skills. After Anthony is busted for defying his no-screens punishment, Daniel finally snaps, and it seems to get through to him. Shannon informs Johnny that Robbie's prom night and maybe more has been bankrolled by Terry Silver, and she wants him to handle it immediately. Since he's Johnny, and that means breaking into Cobra Kai with a crowbar and shouting threats and insults, uh, Terry is one step ahead of him and lures him into the trap, 
into a trap at the original dojo where he beats the hell out of him, seemingly as an offering to Kreese. This further fractures Terry and Kreese's relationship, not to mention Terry's weakening grasp on his own sanity. Post-fight and post-prom, Miguel finds Johnny passed out in his apartment. He helps him to bed, but in his drunken babbling, Johnny manages to break Miguel's heart right in two. So, thank you for that, Amy. And he broke all of our hearts, really. Yeah. Good summaries. He always does a good job on those. There's there's a few I've, like, cackled out loud at how she summarizes things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get into this episode proper. Um, we start with the cold open, and it's a reintroduction of Stingray. Uh, he steps outside to get a, a newspaper, you know, after having a pastry and a hot I don't know, latte or something. Um, it looks like a cappuccino, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, and usually mine come in like plastic cups uh, from Starbucks. Yeah. Then this breast, though, is fancy. It is. He says it's hot. Very. I don't see any steam, but, you know, it's fine. You know, he's... he's He's still- <laughs> but, uh, we we uh, we meet his neighbor Greg Hughes, uh, played by PJ Burns here, uh, who uh, who has uh, a problem with Stingray uh, staying at his sister's house. Uh, let, let's just uh, let's just start with like, what did you guys? How do you guys feel um, about Stingray being back? He's not my favorite character. I'll say that. Um, like, I understand his purpose on the show, but. If he was never on the show, that would be fine with me. But I do, I do get why he's there. And but I will say, given that, I do like that we get the sort of wrap up from the school fight as far as his storyline goes, because there'd only been a sort of brief mention in like the the school board meeting that oh, Stingray's not employed with the school. It's like okay, but like, did he go to jail? Was there any like legal repercussions for this adult man beating up a bunch of kids? And yes, there were. You know, he was maybe it was he maybe in jail and out on probation or just got probation whatever it was there was some kind of legal repercussions which i like that part of it and you know now probation's over he's going to go back to cobra kai and it's like oh you don't know what's waiting for you there though so it's like oh that's gonna be interesting once he gets back there wasn't he living with his mom before i believe so yes he was and so his mum probably said to um, uh, to his uh, to Stingray's sister, "Look, you, you can take him now. I, yeah. I'm not having him in my house." Um, yeah. But his sister must be, you know, she must be pretty wealthy. You saw the yeah. size of that house. I mean, we never saw his mum's house, but his sister must be. She must have some coin. Yeah, that's a very nice so. looking house. Yeah, it's California, so I, I, I'd imagine she. That's true. You know, uh, is definitely doing well for herself. Um, we don't we 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 don't see any kids, so I we don't know if she's married. So she could be single mm-hmm. and has one of those jobs where she's always away. But yeah, maybe maybe Stingray's mom got so upset she kicked him out of the house. Was like, I don't know, go stay with your sister. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, because I I believe Greg does mention something about like her sister doesn't even want him there, right? Like he could yeah. be lying, but that could also be true. Like you know, that is. Her neighbor, maybe she does talk to him and doesn't want to hurt her brother's feelings. So a lot there, <laughs> definitely a lot there. A little sad, um, yeah. but I mean, it's a good situation when yeah, you can walk around in your robe and your sister's not around. Yeah. So, like a tiny soprano. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's such a reference there when he goes to pick right. it up. 
just exactly the way he does at the start of every series. It's and because it, it's reintroducing Stingray, so right. it's, it, I feel like maybe Joe and Luan said, "Let's let's make a little Sopranos reference where he goes to pick up the newspaper." I mean, I know it's common to do that, but I don't know just right. the bathrobe and the the beard and the shabbily look. I mean, yes, he showered, but how much has he showered? I mean, he did say he groomed too. So let's assume he showered if he also groomed. And we don't know where he groomed. You know, I'm assuming the beard because he touches the beard. But, you know, Luan does say, yeah, he does reference Sopranos in the interview. So that's, I, I believe that's definitely where they were going with it. And um, also, uh, in in my very first interview with uh, Joe and Luan, um, Luan talks about, uh, I don't know, wanting or or eventually wants to, but I, I remember him talking about like writing gangster flicks, you know, gangster movies, you know. Ooh. So I I think that is up his alley, and and we'll, maybe we'll see it one day. Maybe we'll see Luan Thomas, you know, written by on on like a gangster movie. So can't wait. Um, yeah, I I welcome this uh, return. I'm in the minority, will we call it that? That do like him on the show. Uh, I feel there are people like this in the real world, you know, that are just they um, kind of live in their own bubble and they're man childs and and whatnot that have not yet grown up yet, you know, and that's that's all they know. Um, I don't think my brother's a good uh, version of this, but he's you know an introvert and could probably use a flipping of the script. And so I think before Stingray did, you know, he was kind of that guy, you know, just stayed at home because he didn't have friends, you know, and I feel like my brother could, could make friends if he just went out there and tried. So maybe I should tell him to join a dojo. We'll see. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, uh, no, just sort of from like a a more sort of technical side, that sort of music drop when Greg refers, Oh, go do Kung Fu. And then like Stingray turns around and like that music drop just drops right in. I love it. And he's like, it's not Kung Fu. It's Cobra Kai. And he's like, yeah. 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 And, you know, one. like, I, I, I continue to find it funny when somebody is mocking, you know, one of our characters that's doing karate. Like this one, we're doing Kung Fu. And then Greg does these, like, hand chops. We had freaking Tom Cole doing Wasasa in season yeah. one. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yesterday, I actually... Uh, leading up to Jen's um, hosting of was a 108 molten. Yeah. Is that what she did last night? Yeah. Um, for no particular reason at all, because I was like planning to drop in, but I think I like fell asleep because the kids were napping at that time too. But I actually watched episodes one through four yesterday of season one just for no reason. <laughs> and um, so the Tom Colton came back up, but I think uh, in Ace Degenerate. I feel like one of the other guys with like Kyler and Brooks also does some like hand chopping. I could, I might be misremembering now. My mind's a bit of a, it's early. It's earlier, you know, than usual. So I'll, I'll move it along. I'll, I don't know what I'm talking about now. Um, um Maybe. So we'll, we'll just cut to the Cobra Kai dojo where Kreese walks uh, in the back there and sees Terry Silver finishing up uh, his workout. And uh, class is about to start. And Silver wants to make a point to Crease and tells him that he hasn't forgotten what he's done for him, forgotten what he's done for him, and that he will be there, or uh, that he wouldn't be there if not for him, referencing their time in Vietnam. Um, the the punching bag here, if you follow me on social media, specifically Instagram, one of the set dressers actually shared a video 
uh, with me where he is holding the bottom of the punching bag while Tig is going to town with it. So mm-hmm. that is there if you guys want to check it out. But uh, thoughts on this scene? I really notice a lot of, um, particularly from Thomas's, uh, again, another one mentioned great acting in this scene because it's that that sort of self-loathing, uh, every punch that he's throwing and every just the way he's doing it, it's you can tell that he's trying to, he wants to be the Cobra Kai that Kreese is trying to push for, but at the same time he doesn't want to go down that um, path that he was back in 85 where he was just out of control. I think there's still a part of Terry that's still in control, but he's thinking I'm going to lose control. And I, 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 there's that that's conflict. He's like, no mercy, like just bashing the bag. But he's so he's trying to say, compose, calm down, calm down. But it, it's so conflicting. And I really hats off to Thomas for just a great, great twelve seconds of just rage and and self-loathing a very edward cullen like i hate myself mm. i'm just gonna bash this because i don't want to lose control mm-hmm. but he also doesn't want to upset crease vampires <laughs> reference john carpenter's you know a little edward cullen there you know maybe yeah. maybe tig should have been in the front of the uh eclipse was it eclipse no that was part three what was uh breaking yeah. dawn part one you know where there's like the war between the no, you guys, you guys are yeah, yeah, I know that what you're talking <laughs> okay. about. Okay, well, Dorian's younger, so maybe, maybe yeah, <laughs> right, he, part two, yeah, the giant, well, um, just the whole Twilight stuff, you know. But um, you know, there's an all-out war between the vampires and the werewolves, you know. And so I think it would have been funny to see like Yawn from John Carpenter's uh, vampires in front of the vampires. So I think an edit is coming. Uh, you know, if we talk about it, one of us will eventually try to make something of it. Uh, <laughs> Don't know if my Johnny headband will will you know if the pub, public will see it, but you guys have. Chris <laughs> yeah. um, just disregards uh, the pledge, the loyalty pledge. Though he doesn't go, I know Terry. He just goes, let's go to work. I'm like, this man just yeah. pledged his loyalty to you. Can you at least give him something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just briefly on a shallow note, I got to give Mr. Thomas Ingers a hey for looking as good as he does in that tank top. Man, like he could, he could still work it and get it, I got to say. Um, but I think it's also interesting after Crease comes in, you know, and they start talking, Silver somehow manages, or Thomas Ingers manages to somehow turn Terry Silver back into like a 19, 20, 21 year old almost like a little he's got this like little boy look on his face like please validate me please accept what i'm giving you like tell tell me i'm worthy there's i don't know how he does it but just like 30 years drop off his face when he's talking to crease in the scene and it's fantastic well yeah it's just great acting from tig you know and i'll call your hey uh, for sure you know it's <laughs> l- looking great very fit and we've seen like you know some of the behind the scenes stuff like prior to them filming season four like the the, the one where he kicks a, the red solo cup off the top of um you know a, a log or whatever yeah so i think it was one of those th- those things where john herwitz uh texted him was like hey do you can you still kick or whatever and he's in uh tig obliged to like yeah mm-hmm. watch this um yeah. or hold my beer you know <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah hold my wine right hold my wine <laughs> uh all the wines but yeah you know um you know 
Dorian, you you touched on it. You know, he wants to prove his loyalty. Uh, definitely conflicted in this episode. We'll we'll see him go from like zero to sixty in thirty five minutes. <laughs> um, so in the front of the the dojo, Kyler, he's talking about like getting a limo for prom, and his uh, him and his date is on a mission for the evening. So I don't know if she's in on it, but he says that they are. Um, and Tori and Robbie are discussing prom here. Um, thoughts on on what's going on? I bet she doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, not a lot I caught. <laughs> yeah, I did. He's Ty, Kyler. Just like he wants, like be the alpha dog. He just, he's not, but he wants to be like, yo, look at me. I'm so cool. I got the limo. Let's go. Let's party. It's like, just no, just no. <laughs> I think we're all he Piper was in, in that season episode. one, but not anymore. Or, or yeah. In that moment, you know, we're definitely Piper. She's doing all, all the um, eye rolls for sure. Yeah. Piper's know? like, okay, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Tori and Robbie, um, they're kind of talking about like, well, Robbie's asking if she's going and she does. She thinks like it's a rich people thing, you know, yeah. kind of just reminding us that she's poor and can't afford the dress. Can't, you know, maybe can you afford the tickets? I I, I think prom tickets are usually like kind of spendy, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're you also contributing to like paying for the venue and whatnot, I, I suppose. But, um, but um, you see Silver kind of hovering in the background too. Like I remember the first few times watching this episode, I thought that he kind of just comes in and was just like, oh yeah, you know, you guys are going to style, you know, uh, whatever, whatever. But he actually, he was eavesdropping for a minute there. You kind of see him like in the frame, but, but not quite in the frame. Mm-hmm. It's really well directed here. Um, yeah. But, but basically they kind of want to mess with their opponents. So, uh Robbie kind of picks up on that Tori's kind of asking him but not really yeah I think this is where we kind of I think start getting the maybe there's something between Robbie and Tori and you know Tori was like you know they'd let you go if you came with me and he's like are you asking me to he's kind of asking like are you asking me to promise and like asking me to prom and she's she's like no but there's kind of something in her expression that's like I could be if would you say yes if I was asking you that like they're but you can they're they're sort of starting to send out feelers of like do you could we maybe do this as like a a thing like be a couple maybe and i i really like how we get that in this episode this very slow build up of like oh maybe maybe there is something between these two characters that could be interesting yeah it's really cute it's not something we've seen from either of them before yeah. even with the other you know like miguel and sam like you know yeah. they they didn't get this kind of cute like oh, guards are down and kind of playfulness uh so i i i'm here for it i'm here for it um you know for those that don't know i got a miyagi-do lotus tattooed on my the inside of my um my left arm and this episode has me kind of low-key rooting, rooting for cobra kai but specifically for robbie and tori you for sure bite your tongue Blasphemy. Peter. <laughs> what? yeah I know, right? Yeah, but no, just rooting for that dojo just because of the two of them, not like the senseis and the other students, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get behind um, that, yeah. Yeah, uh, so at this point, uh, we got Ryu, uh, Chubby Ryu from Street Fighter. Ryu (laughs) walks in the door. Uh, Ryu fanboy. He he wants no part of Stingray Crease here. You know, he's really rude to him. Um, What do you guys think about how Crease is... uh, kind of reacting to the return of Stingray. 
You know, I watched a rewatch again, uh, f f I think it was yesterday, and I noticed, I think that if Stingray didn't push the whole, s oh, I've got a strategy, I've got this, I think Crease might have been like, you know what, you're not going to be around the students, but I will, I feel like, look, I feel like it's like, look, we're teaching right now, maybe come back later and we'll talk. I don't think he would have gotten rid of him like that because don't forget like crease gave him the the validation at coyote creek and gave him the uh and even let him train even after the school fight because he was there when johnny showed up in no mercy so i don't mm -hmm. know i feel like if he didn't open his mouth and say i've got some strategies for the tawny or tournament he's like uh, i feel like maybe but then of course crease switched Right I do. I, I started to wonder if maybe part of Crease's how, like why he went so hard on like shutting Stingray down was to kind of, I don't know if show off is the right word, but for Terry, because Stingray is not the, the, like the typical Cobra Kai student. Like if you go back to the original movie and even when, you know, Kreese comes in in season two and he sees who's Johnny's teaching and Kreese is like, these aren't Cobra Kai people. What are you doing teaching these kids? These are not Cobra Kai level students. And Stingray obviously fits what Kreese thinks of as a Cobra Kai student. And who's the kids in the dojo now are definitely the athletic typical Cobra Kai students will win the tournament. And if this Stingray guy comes in, would it maybe show some weakness on Crease's part to Terry? Possibly allowing somebody like Stingray into Cobra Kai? And I wonder so if he's saying going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I like that idea um, very much. But yeah, yeah I mean, Crease said it. They're training for a tournament. Mm -hmm. So what good is Stingray going to do when he's well over 18? And, yeah. um, you know, Crease will see him as kind of. You know, it's putting just, it lightly. Just, yeah, it's just extra weight. You know, it's just extra yeah. weight that 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 could be trimmed and and not needed. But but you also not see silver. Yeah, maybe there was some intent there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. yeah, but but you you see silver like in the background, super yeah. out of focus. So so mm -hmm. it's really easy to kind of miss if you're not paying attention. But he like you see his eyes like at, yeah. at the very least, his eyes are black enough where you can see him kind of squinting and just like who is this guy and he's wearing like yeah. a cobra kai gi and crease you know clearly knows who he is but wants this guy out of here so i think that's just kind of where uh silver is is at right now i don't know if he's you know quite planning anything just yet yeah i i think terry's the kind of guy who takes in everything that's happening and is like this isn't really useful information right now but this might be useful later. So let me like take this, I'll stick it in my pocket and maybe I'll bring it back out later when I need to do something with it. So you can see he's definitely taking in what's happening with Stingray and thinking I might be able to use this later for something. Right, yeah. right. like uh, so Silver isn't quite playing chess yet. He's, he's pulling out the chess box and he's yeah. about to set it up. He's, yeah. You know? Hasn't decided which color he wants to. I mean, I I feel Terry Silver would be um playing with the the black pieces because of the Cobra Kai well, or white starts white, first, yeah. doesn't it? 
white yeah, goes so he'd first. Be striking first, so he'd yeah. be white. Yeah. white yeah, I guess you guys are. That's, that's I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I know how to move the pieces. I'm not very good at chess. So. I'm not either. I know that much. Yeah. I know white moves first. That's about the extent <laughs> oh, of my knowledge. Well, between you knowing which goes first and me how, knowing how the pieces move, we might be all right. <laughs> he was like uh, a shark, though, just yeah. circulating the room and circulating and uh, and then going up to Robbie and Tori and saying, oh, look, you guys are going first class all the way. You, you go. Uncle Terry's going to take care of you. Don't worry. We'll, you'll, you'll get the works. Don't worry. Uh, he, he, he'll take care of you. Let's normalize Uncle Terry, you know. Let's Uncle make- Terry, you know, because <laughs> it's, you know, he's not Sensei Silver here. He's Uncle Terry. I'll take care of you. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would, uh, maybe not argue, but I would say, you know, Sensei Silver would also take care of his pupil. But I, <laughs> you know, we haven't quite yet heard Uncle Terry the Phantom, so I think that would be funnier. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I feel really bad for Stingray here. You know, like we, we get it. Oh, we, totally. we get it. Yeah. It. We get what's going on. But um, even at this point, Stingray still thinks that like, oh, this this is a test. Like, I will accept the challenge. You know, like, no, yeah. no, dude. Like, it's he li- literally does not want you there. Um, but denial. It's yeah, mm-hmm. it, you know, I don't. I don't think he makes a mention of it. But if he looks around the room, who does he really recognize other than like Dieter and Edwin? Yeah. No one. He yeah. thought Bert was there. Yeah. He, yeah. Right. He still thought Bert was there. Yeah, exactly. You know, oh, absolutely. But yeah, no, you're but but you're right. You know, that's other than those two from season two. I don't know who else is there that he would recognize. So uh, Johnny's not there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just it's just uh, Crease, Edwin and Dieter, you know, for those that know uh, those names. Um, we cut to the LaRussos for a lunch and we meet Daniel's cousin, Vanessa, who they called Ness. And she's also Louie's sister, who Amanda says is more Louie than Louie, which is a thing. Yeah. I love cousin Vanessa. I want her to come back. I hope she sticks around for a while. She's just, she's fantastic. I think she's great. Yeah. It's so amazing. And Julia just nails this part it's so incredible i love uh, the argument between i mean brett and julia their chemistry as brother and sister is hilarious and that just reminds me so much of i mean louis and just reminds me of that italian cugino the cousin who's just (laughs) like who just has to always be right even when they're wrong yeah and the the mozzarella will not dry out when you put it on bruschetta i mean it, it won't happen does does mozzarella belong on bruschetta? Because every time I've seen bruschetta, it's just tomatoes and like basil. There is well, some some okay. chefs like to be experimental, okay. but primarily okay. it's just tomato, basil, balsamic, and extra yeah. virgin olive oil. Yeah, because I was, yeah when that happened, and she was like, "I'm put chopping it for the bruschetta." I was like, <laughs> she, "Mozzarella, um, okay." Maybe I was like, "Maybe it's a little Russo family recipe." I don't know, but Possibly. Lucille's was, probably passed down some secrets or two. Possibly, um, yeah. yeah. My, my wife does. Chop your fingers off. <laughs> um, I, I love that comment. Like I think she <laughs> says maybe fat fingers. She might have called his fingers fat. I feel I could be wrong. She did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I look. I don't. I don't know how to cook. Uh, my wife does all the cooking. I wouldn't know the difference. I'll eat it either way. To be honest, like, and like you know, this isn't to 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 knock on like anyone's cooking, but um, you know, I have I've I've spent some time serving overseas. Uh, in Afghanistan and the stuff that we ate there, like it's not bad. Right. But um, they don't like, we, we went to go run a mission and uh, take some 
um, school equipment to a schoolhouse, and the elders invited us in to eat. And you know, we're we're American, so they're trying to you know um, like uh, set things up as they how they think that we do things, I guess. But th- there was no tables because they don't have tables. But everything was laid out on tarp. Um, everything was kind of like community, right? So we're kind of sharing the same plates and stuff like that. I said, you know if I can eat what I ate the way I ate over there, like just give me anything like, you know, I'll, I, I've eaten in less sanitary places basically. So just, just put it on a plate and I'll eat it really. So I'm one of the guys that literally eat anything and everything. Like everyone's like, how do you stay, stay so skinny? Like, well, I also walk like, but you know, 10 plus miles a day too with yeah. my work. Um, but give me all the foods, give me all the mozzarellas, dry or wet, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Uh, and and for those that don't know, Dorian, you're actually like you're you're Italian, and not, not just yeah. like part Italian, your last name is Italian too. Yes, so uh yeah, you're you're gonna bring in some of that uh, authenticness for those that aren't privy to you know your culture too. So um yeah love cousin ness like uh for those that missed it or you know newer listeners i did get a chance to we got a chance to uh interview julia macchio um who i also ran into uh, with uh, mary mauser in disneyland back in 2019 um i shared that story a number of times i've flaunted that picture a number of times but in there like julia she remembers that moment like it was just a a couple months ago so it was really sweet for her to kind of remember just this one little interaction with a a fan of the show um but great interview great insight uh she's just amazing here um and you know we'll we'll have more to say about her obviously so uh in this sequence um this is like them pre-prom, right? There's a, uh, the, the Diaz's show up. I just, if you guys go back and, and watch it, I just love the way Rose walks in and looks at Amanda, yeah. introduces herself. It's like Rose does this, you know, just, just the look in Rose's eyes looks so authentic. It's really sweet. Um, but also here is a deleted scene that you do learn about uh, from Joe and Luan's interview where they talk about why Johnny doesn't have shoes on in like the the dual family picture, right? Like that picture circulated a while, um, maybe around the time the season came out or maybe leading up to it. I, I, I don't really remember, but people were pointing out, well, how come Johnny doesn't have shoes on? Well, we find out that when he arrives, Lucille says something like, you know, take your shoes off and Miguel like continues to take his shoes off. He, and she goes, not you, honey, you and points at Johnny. So, yeah, so of everybody else there, she wanted Johnny to take off the shoes, obviously still upset from the first movie. I hope that's on the DVDs because I need I need to see some Johnny and Lucille stuff because it must be like blowing her mind that this boy who beat up her little boy is now in her. Well, in his house and they're having dinner together or something. It's just like, her mind must just be like, I, no, I still don't like you. It might be that I still don't like you. No, and I'm gonna like cut you down however I can, even if that just means making you take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that Daniel and Johnny have seen each other since the breakup. It yeah. was just, oh, it's like running into your ex and you're just like, Awkward. Oh, what awkward. do I say to you? Awkward. It's like I'm not gonna look at you. I don't want to see you. Yeah. <laughs> you broke my heart. It's a lot with these two. They're they're constantly, you know, kind of getting together, breaking up again. I mean, this isn't the first time for sure. Um, I hope yeah, it's the, the last. The, yes, yeah, please. I know, really. 
Yeah, but uh, you know, at, at least they were both big enough to, um, you know, put put the the kids and you know be, before their relationship at this point. You know, ha- having both families come over, um, and and not just you know like Johnny and Miguel. It was the entire DS family. So yeah, let's not fight in front of the kids. Okay, I know yeah. exactly. We're not going to fight in front not. of the kids. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that even like Louis and, and cousin Ness were there too. Well, cousins Louis and Ness, maybe maybe because you know um, Lucille's there, right? You know, Lucille took care of their father, mm-hmm. and so maybe um, you know she was a, a big part of their lives too. So that makes sense. Um, th- there's a there's a point here where uh, you know they're taking photos, and Yaya does mention that Miguel started to look more and more like his father. Yeah, and her reaction, oi. Yeah, Herman's at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's weird that Yaya says it with like such a big smile on her face, given that she probably knows what happened and why they left. She like she left Ecuador with them, and I mean I don't know if she knows exactly what happened, but she must know he's not the best of guys. Otherwise, why would her daughter have to just like leave? And it seems like she, you know. I always got the impression when they left, it was sort of like middle of the night, kind of we're going right now, kind of leaving Ecuador. Um, but yeah, the fact that she says it, she seems very pleased that he's looking so much like his father, which is a little well, weird. Well, I suppose because, yeah, she might, he may look like uh, Miguel's father, but he isn't Miguel's yeah, father. I, mean, I think yeah. that's probably what she meant. Uh, you know, I watched it, when I watched it again, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe he's not as bad as Carmen's making him out to be, but she's actually talking about the way he looks because maybe Miguel's dad's actually, oh, he's actually quite a handsome young man. Okay. So, I don't know, maybe it's a... Or maybe Rose is just very wise and thinking, well, maybe he wasn't as bad, but I'll back up your story if you say he is bad. I don't know. We We actually don't know if Miguel's dad is as bad as Carmen thinks. Maybe she just doesn't approve of what he does. Right. I mean, it could be that, right? No, no, absolutely. Like we, we know, we know nothing uh, at this point. Um, we can, we only know uh, Carmen's side, and from what it sounds like to me is that she, she thinks whether it's he or what he does is dangerous. And I feel that um, whatever she told Yaya is just enough that you know she would say, okay, all right. Well, if you don't think this is a good situation for us, we'll leave. So. Um, I think Yaya is probably still fond of his father, but obviously knows, well, Carmen thinks there was something bad enough that we had to leave that, okay, you know, so so in her mind, it's not as bad as what Carmen thinks. And I think because if it was that bad, if Yaya really knew, I don't think she would make that comment, you know, like, I think she'd keep that to herself, you know, because, no, like, if you really feel that neg- uh, negatively t- uh, towards, like, the, you know, your child's other parent, you you wouldn't want to hear that, and I feel like your parents would know better than to say something yeah, like that, right? Of course. So, yeah, yeah that, that's just my opinion because, like, um, my my oldest, like, it's funny because it's really mixed. I often hear like, "Oh, he looks just like you," or "Oh, he looks like his mom." And when I hear the mom part, I'm just like, mm, "Like, thanks, thanks for the reminder." Like, like I need to hear that, you know, because because I see it myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so same thing with Carmen. Like, she she sees it right, and so like for yeah. for uh, Rosa too kind of bring it up it's like mama not only like let's not bring this up because i never want miguel 
so curious that he can go out and seek his father, but also like, I don't need to hear this right now. So very interesting to hear or, or to, um, to, to find out the reveal in season five is, was Carmen exaggerating or, or was she, was it an understatement? Where, where is he in terms of, you know, the one who knocks, right? Like I want to see where is he on the Heisenberg scale. Um, so well, we have yeah. one month, one month yeah. tomorrow to go to, till we That's find right. out. That's right. Uh, people will hear, hear this a little bit later, so it'll be less than a month for them for sure. Uh, it'll probably sure. be like three weeks, yeah. But, yep, you're right. We're almost there. Um, so w- one other moment here, and I'll move on unless you guys have anything else, but super hilarious that Louis is standing side you know, side by side to Johnny. It's like, yeah. You know I don't <laughs> hang out with those biker guys anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's like, it's it's that dude apology that's not really an apology, but like he's trying to apologize and he's like, yeah, I, I did a kind of messed up thing and it's, you know, not going to happen again. But without actually saying the words like, I'm sorry. And yeah, I love it. This is great. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. And also, like, if you guys aren't following Brett Ernst on um, at, at the I think I think he's really only on Instagram. If you guys aren't follow him there because he always posts like um, little clips from his set, you know, and, and they're, they're pretty hilarious. Like uh, Brett Ernst is a funny guy. Don't sleep on him as a comedian, a stand-up comedian. So, um, and, and while I'm plugging Brett, I might as well say like, look, check out um, Dana dudes, uh, uh, you know, check out his, his, his work as well. Like he too is a comedian. So he's got some other stuff. Um, I think that one show with Kevin Smith got not Kevin Smith. Um, uh, um, yeah, um, the other uh, Kevin. King of Queens. Uh, yeah, Kevin, that, one. Oh. that one that was on Netflix. It was about like a car, like NASCAR kind of. Yeah, I forget. You know, I, like, I watched yes. it. It was it was actually really good. I I enjoyed it, okay. but yeah, I don't yeah. think that's getting a second season. Wasn't the the, the Katrina something from Thirty Rock was also in it? Oh, I forget. It starts with a B, but anyway, it's anyway. It's, it's it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, ch- check out all of the stuffs from from them. Um, all right, so Carmen and Johnny, they arrive back at their apartments, and Shannon is there waiting for Johnny. Maybe in the parking lot, I'm not sure. But um, oh, mm-hmm. another X. Anthony coming down for the family oh, photos. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. And that I, little I, bit. Yes, yes. I, I do have that in the notes. I completely skipped over it. Um, <laughs> Anthony, yeah, he was grounded from the incident at school, so we don't mm-hmm. see him right away, but he does get called down for the family photo. So, um yeah, not not a whole lot going on. So thoughts on the sequence, yeah. you know, stuff he, Anthony's wearing, perhaps. Yeah, I, at first I thought that Anthony was wearing like Kenny's the the Cobra Kai sweatshirt he'd stolen from Kenny because it looked like it was covered in masking tape, and I was like, that why why would he be doing that? That's weird. So I actually went and looked, and um, there's this website called Shop Your TV. So. If anybody out there like loves like clothing from TV, you can go and find it doesn't have everything, but it's got a lot and it has Cobra Kai on it. And it's not it's actually by this brand called Off White that I'm not familiar with, but they have a whole line that's like sort of masking tape designs, you know, like the designs are made to look like masking tape put on clothing. So and they they, they are they are not cheap they're 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 quite high end <laughs> clothing. So it makes sense for a LaRusso to buy it. Mm. $600? Oh yeah. my god. Wow. Yeah, hopefully that's Monopoly money too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that price tag and I was like, whoa, whoa okay. 
All right. Are you sure the decimal was in the right spot? Like it was, okay. it, was supposed to, it was supposed to be like maybe one zero over. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could get those mustard ones from like Kmart for like, well, in Australia, you could get it for like $15. Yeah. Like then it looks exactly the same. What like, the, who spends 600 bucks yeah. on a, on a jumper? Sorry, a jumper yeah. for people listening is a, is a, a sweat like a a wind uh, a windshieder. That's another one that we use to call jumpers. Sorry, um, what are you guys hoodies? Sweatshirt. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, I th I think jumper is more of a sweater, like more of knit sweater. Whereas, thank you. Yeah, like hoodie sweatshirt. I don't know. You, you kept on saying <laughs> jumper, and my mind went to romper. So like, there, there's all these. Yeah, there's all these different terms. Because I mean, there's rompers for men now. Uh, shout out to J Cap who has a song about wearing rompers. No. <laughs> oh. Of course, right? Yeah. You know, you also got Crocs. So check out all the J Cap songs. Uh, my man Jeff Kaplan, who plays Cruz, um, uh, met, met him a couple of times in person. So yeah, lo love him. Just just a great guy. But uh, yeah, this um, the sequence, you guys. If if you have a yellow hoodie, bring it to me. I won't charge you for the masking tape. I'll do it <laughs> for you. You know, sa save yourself. You know the the additional five seventy five. <laughs> Um, this but yeah. Amanda uh, excluding Anthony like that. Yeah. Vanessa's like Anthony, and then it's and then she's like, oh no no, we don't have to. I'm like, uh, sorry, what? You're excluding your son from a family photo. That's mean. That's yeah. cruel. Like yeah, yeah he's, he's grounded. grounded, but exactly, it's a family photo. He can come out of his room for two minutes. I mean, and then you get and then you get Lucille going, what's happening? Why is he grounded? And it, that, that opens a whole can of yeah. worms that we get to later. And yeah, she went well, full Nonna in that scene. Mm -hmm. she this, went is full just, <laughs> this is just to kind of like, um, you know, point out like the brilliance in like Joe and the ones uh, writing. You guys are pointing out like this. Yeah, we're questioning uh, Amanda. Yeah, exactly. What is the problem? But it causes this whole stir uh, among the family because, like, we know what Cousin Ness is capable of right now, right? Like, you know, we know what's coming. And so you have to kind of set that up, too. So, like, already, since we're questioning Amanda and, and what she just said, well, the entire audience is, right? So yeah. we have to address that. And mm -hmm. by addressing it, we have to have the you know, Lucille comment on that, like what, you know, and, and, and already have uh, cousin Ness jump in on this by calling Anthony down. So it's, it's this whole thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a great setup. They, they did a really good job with that there. Um, so yeah, great family photo. It's funny too, because I think, I think Johnny and Anthony both have like a similar smirk in that photo too. Like I, I wanted to like, you know, share that on social media, make a comment, but I didn't want to start any pots. I also noticed in the one where it's just Johnny with like Miguel and Carmen and Yaya that Billy does, does, does the fist pump that he does in like photo ops at conventions. It's just like, it must be just so ingrained in Billy's like picture time, make the fist. Like, uh, I, was like, like, uh, I was like, that like, was a little bit of Billy coming out there. I don't think that was Johnny. That was a little bit of Billy, I think, there. Yeah, absolutely. And she even says, Amanda goes, just very quickly, goes, says, oh, even Louie. I'm like, yeah, he's your cousin-in-law. Don't exclude him as well. Yeah. They're all there. You know, like, if, if anything, um, I think everyone should have been in the photo already. Uh, and then, like, if Cousin Ness was going to take it, I think maybe should, someone should have said, like, oh, don't you have a timer? Like, you know, let's let's get you in yeah. on this, too. Like, there, there should have been a, a someone else there. But you know what? There's already a lot of people in that room. Yeah, I get <laughs> it. Somebody has to take a picture. Mm -hmm. You know, like like recently I went to um, a comedy show with with some um, really close friends of mine and. 
let me see. There was there was there was a good amount of us, but anyway, some of them came with wives, and we're like, who do we ask? Who who do we ask to take the photo? And we were looking for like strangers walking by, but one of the wives like, oh, I'll do it. And I felt bad because I was like, well, you should be in this photo too. It's just one of those things. Um. All right. So yeah, back to Shannon. Shannon is back out of rehab. We find out that she's um that she is back in an apartment. We don't know if it's the same one because she was previously evicted. But um, this is something that I kind of talked about on Twitter with a few different people. Uh, somebody actually commented on Instagram and and made it a point like, oh, well, I thought she was evicted. And my response was, well, you know, like the LaRusso's kind of helped her out, right? Like, you know, putting her in rehab and stuff. There's no way that not only the LaRusso's, but only the place where she was at, no way they uh, release her, you know, homeless, right? And, and yeah. with that, uh, at least with the job lined up. Uh, for her yeah i like that shannon came to johnny on this you know and brought the money and told him everything that's going on because we shannon hasn't had a lot of screen time but even the little bit she's been on she's had such amazing character growth and this really does show how much she's changed because like season one shannon would have kept that money and gone on a bender and said nothing to nobody about anything that terry told her but she has changed so much and can now recognize something's up with this guy. I don't like what he's saying. I don't like how he's saying it. I don't like what he's doing. I know he's Cobra Kai. Let me go to the only other Cobra Kai guy I know who could possibly do something about it and tell him what's going on so he can take care of it because this can't be allowed to stand. Like this needs to be like shut down and squashed because this no good will come from this. Yeah. Um, I also kind of like the, you know, her introducing herself to Carmen, you know, as, as they show up, Carmen sees like, you know, this, this other gorgeous woman there in front, you know, calling out for Johnny. And so her guards are up a little bit and, you know, the writing here and the way Diora delivers it. Hi, I'm Robbie's mom. Like she's really like, how do I, do I say Shannon? Cause she doesn't know what Shannon is because, Carmen, all she knows is this could be that ex-girlfriend that Miguel was just talking about earlier in the season. Yeah. You know? Oh, Allie. Yes. Yeah. Like, is this, is this Allie? You know, so she says Robbie's mom and immediately, you know, um, I feel Carmen, you know, is, is, uh, well, what's the word I'm thinking of? You know, She's Carmen kind of put of, at ease a bit. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Put at yeah. ease. Exactly. Yeah. And it was kind of like when Carmen introduced herself, she was like his girlfriend, like, a little more aggressive Hands than off my we, man. yeah. Don't like, touch my man. <laughs> Carmen was a little more aggressive than we've seen. She wasn't like this is my man, but it was like his girlfriend, like letting this other woman know this we are a thing. We are in the relationship. So We're not whoever neighbors. you are, I mean, we are yeah. neighbors, but, yeah, but but he's not just walking me to my door. It's right. Yeah, we yeah. we are together. She was like very clearly laying out who she is. And what her relationship is with this guy. So you need to not come for him because he's mine. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and again, they they were like pumping the brakes a little bit earlier in the season. And they uh, finally got back together. And now Miguel knows. So they're they're on a really great trajectory. And the last thing Carmen needs is like a, you know, a gorgeous woman here to kind of like break things up. So um, I really like that. Yes, she's now put at ease and, and uh, you know, kind of steps away for a little bit to kind of give them uh, some some privacy, because if, you know, she's got to know right like saying um, robbie's mom 
Carmen's got to know all the pillow talks, you know, with with Johnny. It's not it can't just all be Dan- it could be all Daniel. We don't know. But um, <laughs> at some point, there's got to be like, yeah, you know, he's he's even put her like in rehab and, you know, they're helping her out, you know, ever since when Robin used to live with him and all these things like Carmen's got to know all that stuff, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, it's a really sweet scene, and it kind of makes us like, well, I wish there were more. But they they do really make great use of her. I can use uh, more uh, of Shannon just because I think you are so great uh, in in that character. Yeah. So, yeah, doing doing really well for herself now, Shannon. All right. Um, let's see. We go to the prom, and it's a great Gatsby theme. I think uh, Tanner just stepped from one building to the other from uh, He's All That. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Eli is kind of by himself, doesn't have a date. Um, and and I was about to say Gianni, but Dimitri's there in his great uh, Pac-Man suit, which we, I Dude. think we all love. Fantastic. Now, did, I know we all talked about it when it came out. Did anyone ever get, like, a hoodie or something, a, a version of it? They need no. to have something like that. That would be sweet. Mm. I would definitely, I don't care where it comes exists. from. I'm like, that just looks, na- oh, it does. It hoodie exists. Yeah, me and Pilani, we looked it up one day. And so, like, I don't I don't think anybody ever ordered it. I, I think I'm, I'm going to say it on record. I am going to order a Pac-Man hoodie um, that looks like that suit. We'll have a Pac-Man party. Yeah. I think they make, like, a woman's version of the suit, too, like, with the skirt, I think didn't I saw. You, uh, didn't, didn't you look that up one time? I know somebody else did. did. Yeah, okay. somebody did. But it's interesting. Like, I've actually known about this suit for years because, like, uh, I used to follow Chris Hardwick and he has the Pac-Man suit and, like, he's oh. had pictures. So it's been out for quite a while. And as soon as I saw Gianni, I was like, that is the perfect thing for him to wear. If anybody was going to wear that, it's him. Yeah. Interesting. It's a, it's a great suit. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, here we also kind of find out that... Uh, a, another um, uh, classmate of theirs by the name of Logan Wang, his little brother Slade got into a middle school fight. So, so there's a oh, connection there. Good spotting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just a little mention there. Um, and also, Yasmin um, flies from Australia. Apparently, she took uh, Economy Plus just to see Gianni. G- see, I did it again. Gianni, just to see Dimitri. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just to see Dimitri. So really sweet. So so now Eli is literally by himself. Um, what do you, what do you guys think about this? Uh, Yasmin is looking fabulous, you guys. Like I don't know if that's what she wore to the wedding, you know. And I don't know if she if, if her dad was getting married in Australia. I'm sure she has like wardrobes for everything oh, too. Yeah. But yeah. very much so. My, yeah. My... I, well, she looks great for someone who's come from a almost twenty four hour flight. Well done, <laughs> like yeah. she would, because you, you'd be buggered. The time difference, because I think because they're in Los Angeles, so I think it's about I don't know, tw- I want to say twelve hours. We're twelve hours ahead, I think, because you guys are uh, how many hours? Because it's it, I think it's uh, Peter. I know it's sixteen and a half with you. Um. Kerry, I don't know how it is currently 10 15 a.m. Where yeah, I so we're, am. About, we're about 14. Um, okay, yeah. um, so it's interesting, um, yeah, because, yeah, um, but yeah, she, she looks fantastic, really. Do- Jessica Rabbit reference, great yeah. reference. So, a non stop flight from Los Angeles to Sydney is about 15 hours, so yeah, she's, she's already on her flight for 15, and then the jet lag. Yeah, that's that's no fun. But hey, um, you know, for, for a place piece to of get Dimitri's married. ass, 
my one problem yeah. with the scene is just the 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 timing of everything because how long are like the wedding festivities because she's already been gone for a while and she's like oh i have plenty of time to get back but it's at least like three days taking into account the travel time and then the prom and then whenever she's leaving so it's like so when is the wedding how long have they been there is it like a whole month-long festivity thing like what's going on with the time in this whole wedding scenario it just confuses me i'm guessing there probably would have been a lot of prep because i've worked in um the wedding industry so i certainly know that there is a lot of prep it would have taken a full-blown week just to get everything sorted i mean they would have to get the cake ready the videographer the photographer the venue there's the final um the final ideas for the venue which by the way if they're going to go anywhere it would be circular key where the opera house is the sydney harbour bridge like it's just this gorgeous beautiful harbour and it's it's a photographer's um dream to (laughs) shoot there I imagine he's the kind of guy who would then like the reception would be on like a yacht. I don't know why. I get Could that be. feeling like they have the ceremony maybe. somewhere. Yeah, on some kind of boat. I just imagine cruising around the harbor. I don't know. They give off that vibe of being that kind of family. Definitely. Absolutely. We we don't know if uh you know the the bride to be is Australian, why they chose Australia. Yeah, but I feel a destination wedding like that, you probably want to plan just to be there to make it your money's worth, you know, like a good amount mm-hmm. of time, right? And prom is usually towards the end of the school year anyway. Maybe she's kind of like on a great path to graduate so she can miss this extended time. And while she was down there, probably pulled some strings just to fly back for like three days, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I bet you they were there for a while and she was only getting there maybe a week or so before the actual wedding too. You know, like, oh, we're, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's part of like, let's build in this like mini vacation too since it's so far away. <laughs> so one of those things that Hayden talks about, right? Like if we start looking for the cracks or, 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 or whatnot. Uh, but I don't think it takes anything away from the magic, but like, Clearly, yeah. Yasmin is super loaded, and they all go to West Valley. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, uh, loaded as in money, not the other loaded. For, yes. for anyone was wondering, um, we know you meant the dough, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so where are we at here now? Uh, we got the uh, uh, yes, yeah, Sam and Miguel. So they are grabbing some refreshments. Uh, I don't think Sam kicks off her shoes, but she, I think her feet hurts from like practicing the tornado kick. And Miguel uh, says no karate, that uh, that uh, the night is just going to be about them. Yeah, I think um, they probably had probably too much karate for a light to last a lifetime. Let's just enjoy the night. Yeah, enjoy the night, just like Tori and Robbie as they enter with a slow mo, right? So good. It's so good. Yeah. It's so cheesy. I love it so much. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's really good. And, you know, we didn't get to see... The, they're just now entering, right? So we actually have not seen them since the you know the beginning of this episode. So we didn't see, you know, a, um, a moment with, like, Shannon and Robbie getting ready. We didn't see Tori going to the store to go look for a dress. So... They have to have that slow mo. This is this is their moment, and I'm here for it. This is where I insert yes, you know, with the three A's. Um, definitely rooting for them for sure. Uh, I just love Sam's like, oh my god, you know, because she's number one. It's like, what the hell are they doing there? But I think there's a mixture of like they 
both look great, I guess. But also, like, yes, what the hell are they doing here? Because also, you know, like everyone's looking at Tori and Robbie as they enter the room. Robbie was there for one day before he got expelled. Uh, Tori was there a day also, but she at least has been back for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's probably like, who's that guy? Who's that hot guy? What are you doing? I'm in a movie with uh, Edison (laughs) Ray. Oh, he's on Fuller House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great moment there. So we cut back to the LaRussos and we find out that Cousin Ness wants to help uh, with Anthony. Maybe this is where she learned it, you know, when uh, the whole Anthony wasn't downstairs for a photo thing. Um, and she calls like her Marissa Tomei Jr. Amanda, that is because Louis was trying to convince Daniel to let Cousin Ness talk to or or help out with Anthony rather. Yeah, she really doesn't like Daniel's side of the family, does she? No. She really doesn't. I'm thinking that's your husband's side of the family. Okay, fine. You don't always get along with your in-laws, but this, yeah, you got to you, you got you got to get along with these people. You you don't when you're Italian, you don't just marry your spouse. You marry the family. Okay, they're always going to be in your life. So mm-hmm. just just yeah. be careful. Okay. And it also seems like. This is like this is the first time Amanda has met Vanessa because like that coming urge like she's more Louis than Louis like okay so they've never met so she has no idea who Vanessa is what kind of person she is and she's just immediately dismissing her as somebody who's like oh yeah she can help sure it's like okay dial it down Amanda you you've just met this woman you have no idea like what her schooling or her education is like exactly. just some casual movie references disguised as xenophobia Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. And I, I really love how, like, Louis, he sticks up for his sister, right? You know, yeah. if, if we know anything about Louis, he definitely backs up the family. He's a uh, Dom Toretto, you know, up in this <laughs> franchise. He's all about the family. And little Mia. Yeah. yeah. Right. Little so Mia Toretto. He, he's, he's, uh, and I, I love, I love him telling Amanda, I'm going to make you eat those words, you know, because um, he knows what his sister's about. And, and he, he mentions what she's got uh, two years in. In grad, she's in her second year of grad school for child psychology. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. there you go. So that ages uh, Vanessa a little bit. Um, You know, puts her probably early twenties. I'm imagining. Um, And so I can see that from Amanda's point of view too. Like, oh, this kid is going to school me. You know, just with a couple years of grad school. But hey, you know, you never know. Don't you know? Give her a chance, and I I think they will. And so, um, but I do love this moment where they're like, okay, yeah, let's see what's up, and. Daniel says something like it, it goes on for a while too. It, so I think it, it, it kind of, uh, it earns, you know, the, the following line from Vanessa, but Daniel's like, yeah, upstairs, second door on the left. And she's like, no, that's not how this works. I'm going to talk to you, you know, yeah. um, you two or whatever. And so, yeah, I think that was well earned. I'm like, Ooh, dun, 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 you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually about the parents. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I said it yet, but like this episode, uh, it not only like I feel seen as a parent, but also attacked at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Again, like this episode gives you all the feels. Yeah. Um, all right. So Johnny breaks into the back of the Cobra Kai dojo. Um, I'm assuming for some reason the front entrance was harder to break into. So he goes to the back. Right here we see that uh, there's um, uh, surveillance installed and Terry Silver is kind of watching from somewhere else. And uh, the phone rings, and Johnny picks it up. 
Why, why does he answer the phone? That's not his business anymore. He has no reason to be there. Why? Why is he answering the phone? He broke in. He might I as mean, well take a take a I, message for, yeah. for Silver like, Crease. I know. I know. Like for story purposes, he answers the phone. But in general, yeah. like, why? Why is he answering the phone? I don't. Well, know. If, if to answer in the sort of Kiefer Sutherland way in phone booth, a ringing phone has to be answered. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Besides, yeah. it would keep ringing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you have seen it. I, I, I've seen yeah. the movie. Yeah, seen, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, it's also the movie that inspired Cellular with Chris Evans, um, and Kim Basinger. You know, so uh, I I don't know if the same writer, but I know they were like, well, he has to stay in the in the phone booth the entire movie. What if they have to be on the phone the entire time, but can be mobile? So that's that's where the movie Cellular came out of. Yeah. Uh, both good movies. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a good it's a good pairing, uh, I would say. But um, yeah, it, you know, like Johnny breaks in, so he's he's not that big of a dummy where <laughs> where uh, he doesn't know that this is like a setup, right? So he, I think he knows one hundred percent that the phone was for him, the, okay. the phone call. Okay. Um, so we, do we think that this footage is going to come back, right? Everything's deliberate on the show, right? Oh. Oh, you mean the is silver footage? Yes. Yeah, it's like silver hanging on to that to like turn it into the cops. Maybe, hey, this man broke into my business. Maybe not even that, but just the fact that, oh, there are cameras somewhere in the Cobra Kai dojo that may, maybe we don't oh. know where they all are. Oh. No. Yeah. Yes, I know where you're going with this now. <gasps> oh, <laughs> the, oh, got it. Um, okay. I can tell. Mm-hmm. I don't I know, know if you guys that, are just yeah. like feeding my ego here. Like, do you guys really <laughs> no, no. I, I, I thought the same thing. I think probably well, one of the content like, creators have done oh, it. Where they Peter, said, oh, very on. smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. I gotta say though, this is and this is just, I, know, it, I suppose, because there has to be two different stories. Why didn't Johnny call Daniel? I know they're not on speaking terms, but Johnny went there alone by himself. He barely survived Crease last time, and Silver's a hundred times worse. And Daniel right. warned him about it. Yeah, I don't know if this is you know the answer because I don't know if there is one. But my thoughts, it's like well, when him and uh, when him and Carmen left the Larusos, uh, Lucille, um, Louis, and Vanessa were there, right? So so they have guests over you know, um, post-prom. So, you know, maybe they are there. But I think also there's a little bit of, like, something inside Johnny where he's like, you know, screw Daniel, I will show him that I can take care of this, you know, even without him. You know? That, I don't that, know. It's, yeah. E- a even little like, bit of ego. Right, the oh. ego. Like, th- think about thinking about the uh, match point, right? At the very end of that, you know, it was, it was, it was a tie, right? I mean, it was... No, nobody won... And I think Johnny still wants to prove that he's the better sensei. And um, but is he you know, the better fighter though? I, I believe. Look, you have to believe you're the better fighter. Yeah, right? I know. It's just yeah. It was just I would have thought he'd learned his lesson after going rogue and storming into the dojo last time to face Crease because of because of Robbie, and now it's again because of Robbie. I don't know. It's just I, that niggled me a bit. Like, yeah, look, man, it's. We've got our differences, but this is about Robbie. I need your help. Johnny has a problem of walking into um, rooms that don't have lights on. You know, like yeah. Johnny turn on a light because it's it's never good when he walks into a dark room. Never. Yeah. Um, 
So, but yeah, that's 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 my thoughts. Why he doesn't? He should. He absolutely should have reached out to Daniel. But I, I think, you know, um, you know, I think he left his uh, apartment complex after speaking with uh, Shannon, like uh, in a bit of a rage. You know, like, I, wait, wait, oh, yeah. I, I only thought Robbie was well. Well, he's finding out that Robbie's going to prom, but not only that, he was given a car. Uh, you know, uh, Shannon just wad of money, offered a job. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's almost like Lou Russo was like in the back of his mind, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going straight to the dojo. Yeah. And also, oh. you know, Johnny's phone is inside his apartment where everybody keeps their phone. So he couldn't, you know, call <laughs> from the so. car or anything. Absolutely. His yeah, phone's yeah. in the apartment. Great line delivery from from Billy. Just like, don't you have a phone? Yes, inside. <laughs> duh. <laughs> you know, they, you might as well say duh right there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we're back at the prom and Miguel and Sam walk out to start dancing. Uh, Tori and Robbie kind of beat them to the floor and basically says, hold my beer. Um, but yeah, they just, they just have a good ass time. My, my one note on the scene is this is some dirty dancing shit right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And very fitting for a guy with the middle name Swayze. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> love the music going on here. Now, uh, Dorian, what was that the song playing when they first walked in? Yeah, it was a really sweet song. It's by a group called 911. It's called Ignite, and the lyrics are just, just incredible. It's dark and light. I'm tired of grey, so let's all pick a side. Yeah. What a great needle it's drop sweet. for this one. And if I remember correctly, Joan Luan, I, I don't think they took any credit for any of the needle drops uh, for this episode. So... Uh, for those that don't know, those are the songs that are playing. Like sometimes uh, the songs are scripted, you know, like, oh, this song will play at this moment. And and sometimes they are just added in post, you know, like um, a good example was Michael Jonathan Smith, who wrote episode 304 uh, Miyagi-Do. Wait, no, The Right Path. My apologies. Miyagi-Do was episode 305. Um, and in 304, they had the, the soccer field fight, <laughs> right, between the Miyagi-Do and the Cobras, they're stepping over one another and kicks to the faces and stuff like that. And I don't know the title of the song from the Credit Kid 2 that, that they play over the scrimmage. Uh, Rock and Roll Over You. Yeah. yeah. So that That's, song was I love playing. That song. Yeah, and that was from the Credit Kid 2. And this is also where we get the return of Kumiko and, and Chosen. And so we asked Michael, like, oh, did you choose that song? And he said, no, he, he, did, he didn't even put a song there in that sequence, but it works. You know, so it's just one of those things. So that's that's how they make this show. It's so magical. Um, any other notes of the uh, the dancing here? I think it's just great. They they're not gonna really pay mind to anybody else but themselves. Well, Tanner is a professional dancer. I mean, this is just he won so many competitions in Ohio, and I think really? Peter, you mentioned he was in full Fuller House, and mm-hmm. he that that episode I believe was actually about dancing, or oh, it had elements the, uh, of dancing. There was I a had dance no off. idea. A dance there was a off, dance yeah. off with um. I'm forgetting the little girl's name, but she's Kimmy Gibbler's daughter. And there was a dance off between them two in the cafeteria. So so check it out. So 80s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got served in the cafeteria. Um. All right. So here we uh go back to the Larusso's house, and cousin Ness is sitting down with Daniel and uh, and Amanda. Uh, she points out that they're acting out, that this is really about them and not necessarily Anthony. Um, you know, obviously, we've all seen this episode. And I just write, this is just comedy gold uh, because, yeah. like, everything <laughs> everything that's being said is hilarious. And just um, seeing Amanda, like, not, 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 not put together, but um, just a little disheveled, 
I think is kind of yeah. really interesting because we've never really seen her like this. Yeah. I will say this is one of those scenes that, like you said, this hit a little close to home because um, like my son got diagnosed ADHD. So we had to like get him into counseling and everything. And our first meeting was just me and my husband, like without our son there. And even though, you know, you're there to help your child get better and, you know, be able to function in the world, there's a little bit of a feeling of like being in the principal's office and like, what, like, what have I done wrong? Have I failed as a parent? Like there, not really shame, but a bit of that defensiveness can come out. It's like, I'm, you know, I, I did good. I'm not, I haven't failed as like, why am I here? All that stuff. And like, I, I get where Amanda's coming from and why that kind of reaction would be in this scene because yeah, she's, she's on the defensive of like, I am a good parent. I am a good parent. It's like, well, I mean, yes, you are, but sometimes kids need help from professionals who are, this is their job to help kids through these issues that they sometimes have. And yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. I am in that same boat with you. Our 10 year old also has ADHD and um, we've gone through, gosh, at least six or seven different prescriptions trying to find out what works best mm-hmm. for him. And there was one that made him even um, kind of uh, talk back to the teacher. And we're like, oh, okay, well, that this, this isn't him. Like, you know, so we had to find like the right one um, because they all affect him differently. Um, and so we, we had to sit down with the, um, the counselor via zoom and you know she had to speak with us without him in the room and then speak with him without us in the room and then when he visits with her same kind of thing like you know he he's by himself and then she'll kind of recap with uh, whichever the parent or both if we're home um during that time so uh th- this wow. is very yeah really hitting close to home and i i, I amanda is acting the way i feel yeah, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. it's you know, it's obviously for comedy, and I'm sure some people are like that too. But I am definitely kind of like, what, what are they writing about? What I'm saying, huh? You know, kind of all those things. So I, mm. I really feel seen here, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything yeah. else uh, of the dialogue um, here? Uh, I do like how Daniel, maybe not the, uh, quite, has it. Well, he's definitely um, has a better composure of himself yeah. than Amanda does, which is funny to see because you see like anytime he answers, she looks over. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. And then like anytime she has something to say, it's kind of like, wait, what, what are you saying? And like it seems to be all the wrong things. Yeah, there's a real role reversal between the two of them. Uh, you know, in season one, Daniel's like, oh, I'm so flustered. Oh, Cobra Kai's back. And Amanda's like, it's okay, honey. It's okay. Whereas in this one, Daniel's like, honey, it's okay. And she's like, no, it's not okay. And she throws the pad and just like, mm. it's great. It's just because, guys, I think it's not about karate here. It's mm. about Anthony. So yeah. it's a completely different topic. And that's. It's it's and you're right, Peter. It's just comedy gold. It's brilliantly done. It's it's really well done. And in Julia's interview, she mentions like some of the, um, I guess, alternate lines that Courtney was uh, throwing at her at one point. It says something about like she's going to eat her bop or her bun. I, I don't know the hair, hair. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she talks about that too. And then like the 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 thing after uh, she says, you know, this is the test, and you you failed. And she gets up and as like Amanda snapping at Ness, like you know, uh, uh, Ness does this thing like, mm, nope, nope, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not having this. Don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's really, really good. Uh, we cut to the OG Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, we find it 
it, that it was used for a candle shop. And I guess Silver plans to turn it back into a dojo. And we get a flashback of uh, Silver and Crease from Credit Kid 3, where we saw them last in this uh, very building. So um, let's see. One thing I wanted to point out, because it's something that I kind of missed, and it only stuck out this time around, having seen the season five trailer, uh, where somebody was kind of asking me, you know, just my thoughts on um, like season five. I think I was kind of subscribing to the idea of like there might be a bit of a time jump because like we already saw all these different locations popping up in the trailer. But here we find out that Terry Silver says that his agent is looking for other locations for when they win the All Valley. So he's already preparing. Like, yeah. Um, so I think mm. at this point, also knowing what happens in the finale, I, I think uh, in Terry's mind, like they have to win. There's no way they're losing, especially when he's already starting to look, uh, uh, looking to open all you know different locations after the tournament. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, he's already got it in motion. He's just like uh, he's three steps ahead or five steps ahead of everybody else, even his own um, ally. I mean, that's yeah. just it, it's and even Kreese's reaction when he says, "Let's expand," Kreese isn't sold. Yeah, because he thinks cause he's probably in Chris's mind. He's probably thinking, "Oh, great, we're going back to the old old place. This is great. We're going to live back the old days." And he's like, "Expand." Mm. Yeah, it's into like Martin Cove does a really good job. Like when they first come in, just he looks just so happy and nostalgic. It's like him and Terry back in the original dojo at Magnolia and Lancashire, and it's like this is what was supposed to happen. You know. 35, 40 years ago, this was the dream. And they're finally here and they've got it. And he's so happy. And then what expand, what expanding, what we're like, we're just starting. We can't do that yet. Can we? And just the sort of conf confusion, like he's still like sort of with Terry, but is a little bit like, huh, really? Yeah. It's Martin really, really, really good job here. Yeah. And Terry's looking at the dollar signs. He's like, money, 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 as yeah. opposed to what he said in um, episode four, turning kids into winners. He's oh, just yeah. looking at the money now. Mm -hmm. Dojo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when uh, Terry tells um, Johnny where, where to find him um, in the previous sequence, like the, those two streets, it sounded kind of vaguely familiar, but I didn't immediately know exactly where they were going. And even when Johnny showed up, I was still kind of confused because I'm almost certain that's not the same building. You know, they had to rebuild that in Atlanta, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't look up filming locations for this, but I mean, they at I least did went look and got it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's is a, it? it is actually a candle shop. It really <laughs> is at the moment. I just looked it up and it has crystals and things like that. Well, if you um, guys are in our group page, uh, one of our members, uh, Mike Tizzle, uh, M Tizzle, you know, depending where you follow him, he actually went to that location and they let him film inside and he posted a video, you know, he, he's our, our member that's like super high energy, you know, because yeah. I guess he also used to wrestle. So he's <laughs> he's got that energy about him. Um, he's just one of our many mics uh, that, that are uh, friends of the show. But they... Um, uh, a few different things, uh, Dorian, on, on, on what you said. Um, this, this location, like, you know, I just had my 21st uh, high school reunion and going back, you know, we actually didn't have it at the high school, which a few of us were, were kind of uh, talking amongst ourselves, you know, maybe maybe because we wanted to have because, you know, like we had to fill out the survey to kind of 
to to give the coordinators an idea, you know, where possible where to possibly have the venue and what we were hoping to get out of it and and so that way they can kind of tailor the evening to to what we want and i guess enough people wanted alcohol that we couldn't have it at the high school i think is is what happened <laughs> but but it would have been nice to have you know to walk down those hallways again to touch the lockers and see the different um I don't know classrooms that we used to have because I'd imagine it would have been in the cafeteria or, or or wherever, but just that nostalgia of walking into that building again, like just imagine for Chris to walk in and him having opened that uh, very dojo back in the seventies, you know, that must've been something for him. But um, Dorian, to what you're saying about like, uh, like how, what, what Terry's going on about, like, I think also with like, um priest's reaction to like you know, other locations you know all these i think it i think maybe he's more in the mindset of like wait you again are kind of like going over my head like you you're making decisions without me knowing like you know this is a surprise it's, it's a nice surprise and that's all he knows but like all these other locations i think he started to kind of like mm, this is sounding a little weird here you're you're keeping me out of the loop with things and i think it's maybe not more evident but i think i can also kind of see it some more when Johnny does show up. Um, let's see. So we cut back to the prom and now Bert's with his date. Uh, he's pouring her uh, a drink like a uh, little Bert tender uh, would do. A little joke that I <laughs> made with Owen uh, back during season two. But um, yeah, yeah, it is. And he talks about Eagle Fang and how badass it is. And this is where uh, Stingray pulls out a page out of Johnny's book and finds his way to sneak back into what I thought was a school, but I guess we we all kind of talked about it before and it's probably yeah. a venue they rented. Yeah, I think it's like a hotel or some sort of just like, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like venue? Ven- yeah, just like a special occasion venue, like you like a what like a wedding, like yeah, a wedding banquet or room, right. banquet yeah. room, yeah, something like that. But regardless, he's uh, over 18 and managed to sneak in somehow. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't, you know, like, I feel Stingray would have been that character where um, he sees like a uh, like a uh, kitchen staff, whatever, jumps them, puts on their clothes. And it's like too, <laughs> you know, too tight. And he's walking around serving on a platter. <laughs> he burnt, <laughs> you know, but yeah, here um, somehow uh, Stingray finds out that they lost their after party place. And he's kind of offering up uh, his sister's house. I have a couple questions here for just sort of logistically bird. Bert's only a sophomore, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Because okay. uh, him and Nate had that discussion uh, when they bumped it to Kenny about Jilf. And I, right. I feel okay. that's, yeah. Very so specific. is his date that what's her, what was her name? Le- Lexi something. Is Lexi that DeMarco. Lexi DeMarco, Lexi DeMarco was you. Nate's date. Nate's, yeah. she, oh, she Nate's was date. The, okay. Yeah. was the, was the Jilf. And okay. if we think that, the junior prom is for like at least one person has to be a junior then i'm assuming yeah. it is the date i think okay so maybe I like a friend of lexi's could be possibly probably yeah since burton made our friends so. hey you want to go yeah cool do you have a friend for my friend maybe a double date kind of scenario and for some reason we just never saw nate yes I, I think so because there's a picture that exists of the four of them at least oh, okay you know uh, in costume mm-hmm. and also there so okay uh, we'll have to dig that up but yes uh, lexi demarco does exist and from what i hear from nate it sounds like or maybe with hannah who who plays lexi either one of them did tell me that there was something that was shot where we get an introduction, you know, where Bert's basically like, oh, she is real. But you do see her, <laughs> like, if you know who 
um, who Hannah De- uh, Deffler is, like you, you do see her in moments. You know, she's wearing like this really pretty blue dress. Um, she's at least also behind Stingray later on, where he announces party time. Like I think she's behind him also. So okay. So Lexi DeMarco is there. Just uh, we didn't get to see the actual scene that introduced her. Apparently. Okay. Then how how did Stingray find out about the party? Be- like, where did that information yeah. come from? Who spilled the beans? Like, uh, did did Logan like tweet like, my parents suck, the party's canceled because my little brother's on it. And how did Stingray get a hold of that? Because who like who was Stingray following on what social media where information has to filter, I guess, somehow. He's probably Facebook stalking everybody, you know, <laughs> jumping in their stories and just saying, oh, so they're there. Okay, well, I'm going to go down there and suss that out. Oh, man. So so, so many different things, right? There could be Facebook events, uh, you know, that, that maybe he That's saw. That's true. I feel e- any social that media account. <laughs> yeah, that, that he had, right? <laughs> Who's this, Raymond? Um, I think... <laughs> I think on on all the social media accounts, you know, I feel that Bert's like his only follower. But uh, you know, even if he had Instagram, you know, he could have um, been suggested like other people to follow, and he followed like other people in Cobra Kai gear. But also, there could even be um, like text threads, you know, that still exist where he was a part of. You know, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, if he was part of a text thread, I think he would have said something because Bert does, you know, question like, "How did you know we lost our?" our place you know yeah yeah kind of thing but yeah this is uh stingray you know playing playing checkers you know trying to get back into the cobra kai dojo he wants wants to get in the good graces of uh the students you know so that way he can come back so Mm -hmm. sorry just out of curiosity what does sophomore mean because in australia we don't i don't know if Uh, we have that term and freshman what what does that mean so so high school there there's four years of high school so you, you have like kindergarten through eighth grade and then you go freshman sophomore junior senior so freshman's the youngest, sophomore's your second year, then junior, then senior is when you graduate. Right. You forget okay. that because like in Canada, they refer it to like grade nine, grade 10. Yeah. You I know, don't know um, why America does it that way, but that we do. We kind of do that here in Australia. It's uh, We have reception, which is kind of like, which is mm. before, which is after kindergarten. Uh, then we have year one, year two, year three, year four, year five. I think from five to seven is middle school. Yeah. And then sort of. Uh, no, sorry, seven to nine is middle school, and then senior school is ten to twelve. So, okay. yeah. mm. oh, that is interesting. Yeah, break it up a little bit. Yeah, ours is four years, uh, and I think frosh is also like uh, also yeah. a, a slang used for freshmen. Yeah, so, froshies. So you, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially so in like clubs, like the seniors will refer to the freshmen as, "Oh, we got some new froshies this year." And yeah, you know. so it's it's a whole thing and. Gosh, wasn't it in our admin group chat where we also learned that uh, was somewhere they don't even do prom? Was it in the UK? Mm, you know what? No, think, it was, had, it was podcasters that I knew, I believe, from uh, the okay. UK where they don't do yeah. prom. Yeah. I and don't so, think like, they it's, do. it's a concept that they only learn from like American movies. So, yeah, that, yeah, that, that is uh, interesting. Um, I, I guess we just like the party, you know, and it, and then we wonder why kids get into trouble during prom. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, he's looking. Uh, Stingray's looking to rejoin Cobra Kai, and um, says to come by. Uh, this is where Tori and Robbie are still still dancing, and Robbie mentions that his mom taught him, 
And I like this line too, because Tori says that, you know, she kind of taught herself. So we know that she knew a little bit of, you know, kickboxing when she joined the dojo. And I, I like to imagine where she like goes to a gym and kind of like lets out her frustrations or just to be alone and kind of work out. And I feel like there's one of those like empty rooms where they would usually do, um, you know, yoga or hip hop dancing or whatever it is, you know, those type of classes. I think she'll go in there by herself, play on some music and just kind of dance, you know, just let yeah. her mind be free kind of thing. I like to picture yeah. that, you know, just to humanize her a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like Flashdance is one of her favorite movies or something. Cause it's one of the movies like, or maybe it's like, you know, maybe like one of her mom's favorite movies. So now Tori likes it too. Cause like they have it on VHS or something and they watch it all the time. I would prefer if, if they did have a movie that they both enjoyed together, like a flash dance. Uh, but yeah, so someone her age, probably, I don't know. I, I even think like Save the Last Dance might be too old for her, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, you know, she's supposed to be like 17 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 2019, she's 17. So 2002. Mm. So what? Step up then. Step up. Yeah. Save the Last Dance, like 2000. So, um, okay. So where are we at now? She, uh, this is a really sad line. Again, having seen the season five trailer, she mentions to uh, Robbie that, you know, she, she wants to win because she wants to look at that trophy and know that she was the best at something. Yeah. So a lot of things going on there. Um, and yeah. just a really great line to kind of wrap up this moment where uh, they're kind of like dancing very close. And Tori asks Robbie, like, are they still watching? And he says, I don't care. You know, yeah. I don't care they are or not. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. forgot about him until you mentioned him. <laughs> yeah. I think here we kind of start to get the feeling that the tournament for Tori and a little bit for Robbie is becoming less and less about beating somebody else and, like, maybe playing the smackdown on miyagi or whoever and just really about something for herself. This is something I did. I was good at something and not has nothing to do with anybody else. Sure, maybe she ends up beating Miyagi-Do, but that's not important anymore. What's important is just having something that she did that's just hers and proving that, you know, she is worthy because I I think she has very little self-worth and self-esteem right now. And just if she can do this, if she can win, she's maybe not completely useless as a person, as sad as that is to say. And yeah. For Tori, validation, right? For yeah. Tori, yes. For Robbie, no. It's just about getting back at every single person that hurt him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, I mean, next episode will tell us all about that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the next moment here, uh, Johnny and his Eagle Fang van arrive at the old dojo, walks in and gets <laughs> side-blinded by uh, Terry Chopra. Cheap shot, the face. Terry. Cheap kick. shot. Cheap shot. Crease looks you happy about this. Hear it too. Not. <laughs> yeah, Crease is very not pleased at what Terry has pulled. Let, let right me here. let me get your guys' uh, um, thoughts on this. Like, w- what are you feeling when you see the reaction on Crease's face to what just happened? Are you saddened by it? Like, you know, like are you like, oh, oh, wow, he really feels for Johnny. Yeah, I'm. I'm one of the people who believes deep down, it's maybe not always expressed well, but I'm one of the people that believe that John Kreese loves Johnny Lawrence. There is, it's, you know, father-son kind of love. It's not the most healthy kind of thing, 
but it's there. And, you know, sure, last season he tried to kill Johnny, but that was because of what he saw as like a betrayal almost with, you know, Johnny working with Daniel a little bit. And this here is Silver essentially disobeying his command. And he's still a little bit in that, you know, captain lieutenant mode. And you don't do that to your captain. You know, as he says, you know, I thought we were supposed to wait for the tournament. And Kreese is just like, but this is for the tournament. But, you know, no. And seeing somebody, you know, somebody else Kreese loves. I also think there is love between Kreese and Silver. You know, brotherly love, especially, you know, going through war and everything. There's just this massive, I think, betrayal of Silver to Kreese for bringing Johnny here and doing this and beating him so severely. Yeah. It's certainly that um, that moment where he's just like, you brought him here? Like, it, it, you, you, for the first time ever, there's a softness in Kreese's voice. I think the last time we saw that was when he when he was talking to Tori. He's like, or else, or else what? Like, what, what's wrong? Like, whereas he's so soft here. See, I disagree. I don't think, well, I know he thinks he loves Johnny, but if you truly, if he truly cared for him like a son, he wouldn't, he would support him no matter what. And I think that's that, it probably is a very toxic and very twisted love that he has for him, but it's not, there's nothing genuine about it. And I think it's, I think whatever love Crease had died when um, uh, Betsy died. I think whatever real love he ever had is gone. Uh, but yeah, the look of shock on his face, it just, it's more the fact that I think, you know, I mean, Chris has always been, we need to strike back. We need to go after them. But then he sort of softened up a little bit because he thinks, okay, Terry's right. We need to focus on the tournament. Um, but that conflict between the two of them has just been going on since episode four or five and te- and te- for Terry to do this now is like, what are you doing? Yeah. And Chris, what the hell are you doing? No, exactly. And we have not even uh, mentioned it yet, but previously uh, Terry has mentioned everybody has a weakness, and so this is it. You know, we're we're actually seeing Chris react to Johnny being beat up here. You know, that's that's his weakness. So we're actually seeing it play out here. Um, and also, like, Dorian, a statement you made couldn't be so true. Like, um, I, I think you are right. John Kreese thinks he loves Johnny Lawrence, you know, and I want to pimp out a video that uh, Brianna made uh, some time ago on our YouTube channel called In Defense of John Kreese. And for someone who hates a character so much, like, she actually defends him and his quote-unquote love for for Johnny Lawrence. So uh, I think that's definitely worth a watch if you guys are interested. Um, but yeah, it, it's all types of love. Like, you, Dorian, you, you mentioned something like, uh, you know, if he loved him, he would treat him like a son or something. Yeah, you know, that's what you would hope out of any any parent. But so often do we hear stories of just shitty dads, shitty moms. Oh, yeah. You know, like, that's your son. Why would you do such a thing? There's just some things that we will never understand uh, from people that are just so broken because we're not, you know, or at least not in the same way. You know, I think everybody has has something, you know, that um, makes them super vulnerable or weak. Yeah. And 
So I think, you know, we're definitely seeing like um, John Kreese out of his element here. You know, uh, he's really thrown off. Uh, Terry Silver's talking about like, you know, unlike him, you know, I heed to your, uh, you know, your your lessons, you know, and, but is he going about it the right way? Probably not. And there's something that I feel like I think about often, but I have not yet mentioned on um on these reviews in terms of like their brotherhood in in the service you know they are probably only one rank apart and you know their time in service probably isn't that far apart as well maybe um priest got his commission first uh, you know because he was a better soldier and whatnot but i feel in terry's mind he probably sees them as equals and the only thing that separates them is the rank you know like john crease is a guy who pulls rank maybe a little too often and there's people you know and i am included that do not like that when it's especially when it's somebody that's a friend i remember a friend of mine when we were on active duty he became sergeant before many of us i i never got to sergeant i was actually one of those that i felt um at the time in in our country and what was going on with the soldiers that I were with, uh, a lot of us that could have gone on to become sergeants like in months, we were all like, no, screw this. We're not going to advance ourselves and we're just going to get out when we're done. And I'm the only one that stayed in for like another five years. So I could have I advanced in my career and, but we were just so burnt on, on how we were treated and, and, and all these things that I won't get into. But my friend pulled rank on me in front of people before, you know, and I was just like, excuse me what did you just tell me to do and 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 he did the whole thing like you know calling me by my rank as well when he told me to do something and i was just like wow mm. you know so i had one of those very moments so i know how cherry silver feels um i i, I at least comprehend how, how he feels in, in this very moment too so mm. a lot of things that are going on uh, psychologically uh, for for these two guys mm-hmm uh anything else you guys want to add um i i just love the delivery from tig you know i i, I tweeted it out you know mm-hmm. come on pretty boy let's go you know yeah. just so <laughs> yeah. good i am not doing it justice i'm yeah. sorry you guys yeah no <laughs> he just, was having fun here he was yeah. really enjoying the scene yeah and just the fight choreography here like johnny using miyagi dough uh the choreographers like using tig's height really to his advantage with like that reach he gets from the punches and the kicks and just the power you when you have that kind of length to yourself you do get a lot more power out of anything you might throw and just seeing that because he doesn't really hit johnny a lot but when he does it is hard and he just he knocks him down i wouldn't be surprised if in addition to a concussion johnny might have some bruised ribs his diaphragm is probably bruised from that last kick that was just right there in the midsection like it is concussion nonsense (laughs) like johnny is hurt even though terry landed five six seven strikes on him he didn't really land a whole lot but just what he did was really vicious and hard and yeah it just shows how good of a fighter silver still is after all these years and daniel warned him yeah it's muscle memory can fight this uh this reminds me of that that game punch out you know where yeah like um you know you see the the back of the boxer and you know you can you can uh land all these hits and then you got the overgrown um oversized baddie that you're fighting who is is you know he's waiting 
for his moment to punch you. And when he does, you know, you're concussed. And, and, you know, if he, if he lands too many punches, then, then you, you get knocked out. But this is, this is what it is. You know, it's kind of, you, you kind of seeing like the, the size of, of Terry Silver versus one Johnny Lawrence. So, mm-hmm. um, size over speed in this one for sure. It's, it's yeah. really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the whooping and hollering, the, the hand gesture that, that yeah. he does to Crease, kind of like, hey, yeah, check this out. We're, I'm having fun. Yeah. Really playing with his prey here. Mm-hmm. Um, one uh, thing that I never would have caught if it hadn't been for Joe pointing this out, Joe, um, Joe Pierroli, uh, one of the writers, uh, where, he took a moment from the credit kid three uh, film where he just want to see some more, you know, yes. and Dorian helped me out with what Chris responds with. Uh, well, in the, in credit kid three, he goes, I want to see a lot more. Like he's yeah. so like, yeah. Whereas he here, goes in the he's like, direction. no, no. So, you know, I, I don't, what does he actually tell him to stop it? Or he says, let him go, let him go. That's it. Yeah. Now, that's so, a shock. Yeah. Because shock the Jerry. one person who, always shows no mercy shows mercy mm-hmm. yeah what happened in no mercy i thought because this is what you wanted loves Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you love this guy <laughs> should have been the next line yeah dad i mean no <laughs> but you know in and you know we we, we got to mention too like the other reason for this is that terry's saying like Oh, well, the only chance this loser has of winning the All Valley is that DS kid, you know? So yeah. break his spirit by, you know, beating his sensei up to a pulp, yeah. you know, that's going to mm-hmm. take them out. And so th- that was the other thing, too. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we cut to Stingray's party time, which is a line that Terry and John Kreese say in the third movie. So Stingray yes. gets it. <laughs> And again, just like at prom, Eli is sitting by himself here uh, with Dimitri and Yaz making out next to him, of course. Um, yeah, they're so Seth and Summer they're from the OC. They're so Seth and Summer. I believe you. So I know that's a show. Um, I, I missed well, out on... Take your word for it. <laughs> exactly. The OC, one, one Tree Hill and all these things. I missed all that stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know what I was doing. I, I probably know what I was doing, but not watching those shows. Um Sam and Miguel show up. Sam's going to go grab some beers. And while Miguel's standing there, Robbie walks in. And I like how there's no like eye rolling and they look away. It's kind of like, okay, you're here too. You know? Yeah. So I, I like that because it's it's not something you would have expected. You would have expected some tension almost immediately. But no, it's kind of like, all right, look, this is an after party. Let's just, let's just see what happens. We're not, we're not trying to, you know, get into any, any beef here. Yeah. A ceasefire, right? Mm-hmm. Just you know, call yeah. it. Yeah, I'll I'll go over there. You stay over there, and we'll just leave each other alone, and it'll be fine. It's prom night. We're we're all yeah. trying to have fun. You know, earlier yeah. in the evening, um, when Tori and Robbie were out on the dance floor, guess who was right by them? Freaking Dimitri and Moon. You know, so everyone was just trying to have fun, and you know, just just leave the dojos out of this for now, kind of thing. Yeah, but. Uh, Let's see. The music is turned off at this point, and we get the return of Greg uh, from earlier in the episode. Uh, he's not happy here now. I think Stingray planned this. You know, him playing checkers. I think at some point he was like, "I'm gonna get Greg in here, bring him in, kick his ass in front of everybody." So they say, "Hey, Stingray still got it." I could be wrong. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I think there was certainly that. I think Stingray is not an idiot. He knows that playing. I mean, this music. <laughs> he know. He knows. Well, he knows that it's going to piss Greg off. And I just want to say, I genuinely feel sorry for Greg because I know what it's like to have noisy neighbours. I live next door. Used to live next door to footy players, football players, and they are the biggest animals. Like mm. they don't know how to behave. Music all loudly. Xbox. When you say football, you mean like soccer, right? Like American soccer. So Australian rules football, AFL football. The, the I live next door to them, and they are loud. They play Xbox okay. and scream and swear. It's it's a party night every night. What well, sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, no. uh, Not when you have to get up at four in the morning. No, it's not. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But but I feel sorry for Greg, I, and I sort of empathise with him in this scene and in the first scene. I feel if I was Greg, I would have been. Uh, I don't. I don't know what they're. Are they called Chads? What are the male versions of Karen? Yeah, you know, Chad. like I've, yeah, I, I think uh, I would have called the cops. I don't know if I would have walked in. You know, knowing Stingray's friends do kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Like, I don't care how old they are, teenagers or whatnot. Like, come on, Greg. You know, you you should have been smarter than that. <laughs> He's only lucky that it was just Stingray that kicked his butt. Yeah. I mean, and as mean it is, I do have to say Greg's insult of calling Stingray a speed bump of a human. It's a horrible, but it's, it's, that is a nice insult. <laughs> Just that turn of phrase. I yeah. like it. It's mean and it's not great, but I, I still, I still just like it in general. We, we can appreciate a good burn, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Let, let, let me say this because I didn't, I haven't said this on a, on a podcast, but if you follow me on social media, um, number one, if you don't know, I'm a big Chosen fan. I'm a pretty big Chosen fan. I feel really. I have no really. idea. Is that a surprise <laughs> to you guys? Okay. All right. So I made this incredible meme because, and I'm, you know, look, I'm patting myself on the back because I didn't realize, you know, how much fire it was going to catch. And so um, I found a, a picture of Chosen from the Karate Kid Part Two, where he's holding like a garden hoe, and um, you know, he's, you know, the uh, he's got the the gold chains on and whatnot. And I captioned it, um, Chosen only wears gold because he knows silver is second place. Oh, I remember that. That was good that one. Was that was sick. Good one. John Hurwitz shared it on Instagram, which I did not even expect. And I was just like, oh, no, I really hope, you know, uh, uh, Tig doesn't get mad by this, you know? <laughs> and and uh, and friend of the show, Ken Cole, who's also a big Terry Silver fan, like if you guys don't know, now you know. But even he appreciated a good burn because I, I think he also retweeted or he might have said something kind of nice. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that reaction from you. He's like, I think Terry Silver would even smirk at that comment. You know, so I was yeah. getting some love for that. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, yeah, I'm working on something right now. And so that came up one time. I go, you know what? I need this is too good to like not share right now. So I turned it into a meme also. All right. So we're. Uh, back at the LaRussos and Daniel's packing, no, pacing back and forth uh, just outside of Anthony's room. Um, he has a talk with them about disciplinium and um, Anthony seems pretty receptive and even says that he's looking forward to the tournament here. Did you guys buy this at first? No. I did, actually. Oh, I did. I, I, did. did. Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> really? Why? You could be... I have a 12-year-old son. You know, you know uh, when say. they're just trying to like say stuff to you know. Okay, well, okay, I, okay. I have a twenty-two-year-old son, and yeah. so 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 like I I guess I should have seen this. Yeah. I should have seen it coming. Mm -hmm. But I I think like like Dorian, we're like, well, 
okay, like Daniel, right? Like Daniel, we're like, oh, okay, oh, good. I, I, I got to him. <laughs> but but maybe moms just have that intuition. He looks grumpy, though. I think more so because Daniel's like pacing, you know, back and forth outside his door. Like, I, I kind of get it, you know? Um, but yeah, so so he says he's looking forward to the tournament. Daniel thinks it's all gravy, walks off, and then you hear the chime. Yep, you hear the notification on the tablet. And so I called this, um, what did I call this? Like, mad, mad daddy daniel or something like that you know and so <laughs> he turns into johnny he quiets anthony and breaks his tablet yeah. and daddy, gives him an ultimatum insane? yeah yeah yes Quiet. he is it's <laughs> it's a really great line from from daniel he is how i feel i've shared this video or i watched this episode with my with my nine oh he's 10 now but he was nine at the time I was like, would you like it if I did that? You know, and he's like, no. I go, well, good. You know, so let's, you know, let's, let's not get there, basically. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a kid that has ADHD. Stuck him in Taekwondo to learn some discipline. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, yeah. Your uh, other thoughts on on this sequence? Um, this is where I thought like, oh, I feel so seen. But then again, previous sequences, I was like, ah, oh, I feel attacked. <laughs> Daniel really, I think this was where, because he's always been a very chilled dad. He doesn't really come across as the type of dad that would step up and be like, don't you ever do that again. Like, But then again, we haven't really seen him lose his, lose his shit, and he does lose it. And, but I know Anthony's been really testing him throughout the whole series from when we've seen him, and for him to just turn like this i think because he always sort of says it's like if mr miyagi were here he would blah 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 whereas now he's stepping up and being a dad and i know what it's like to be when i i wasn't naughty but if i ever was my Mm -hmm. dad would know what to say yeah don't do that again yeah and finally we see that come out of daniel and it's just the fact that he needed Johnny to give him a kick up the backside, yeah, is a, it's is it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. We put, we had we get a bit of a role reversal from both Johnny and Daniel in this episode. Like earlier, we have Johnny mm. doing Miyagido to defend against Silver. Here we've mm. got Daniel doing some Johnny to try and get yeah. Anthony in line. It's yeah. like, they they really Johnny. are can learn from each Daniel other. Doing some Johnny. <laughs> I'm sure they both want to, yeah. But this delivered the perfect foreshadow from mm-hmm. uh, season two, episode 10, No Mercy, when Robbie says to Johnny, um, you two could learn a lot from each other. Oh, yeah. And they not mm-hmm. only, they deliver that foreshadow here. Johnny yeah. does Miyagi-Do, Daniel Eagle Fangs, his son. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just one of those things that they set up from, from before. Like, for those that don't know, and I mentioned it on uh, the 407 uh, review, but uh, I was a guest on Kicking It with the Coves with Martin Cove and Rachel Jesse Cove, the twins, um, who we've uh, also interviewed Jesse and, and Marty, if you guys didn't know. But uh, in there, you know, they kind of just they, they were picking my brain on, you know, as, as a fan, right? They want to know what a fan thinks about certain things. And so one of the things that came up was like, what do I like about the show? And like, I couldn't stop talking about the writing, you know, it just the callbacks into the setups. It's, it's uh, unlike anything I've seen since. Breaking Bad. And I know there's a lot of great shows out there. I just unfortunately don't have the time to watch a lot of them. And so I'm sure there's like a dozen that I'm not even that I don't even know about, right? That that uh, has just as good writing. But as long as I've been covering Cobra Kai, um, the writing is just so intricate. You know, the, the the dialogue is so deliberate, their choices of words and all that stuff. They set things up from like 
for like an, uh, a season or two ahead, you yeah. know? And so like uh, inside baseball for those, because um, the funny thing is our interviews with the writers aren't like the biggest ones. You know, I think, I think most people want to hear from the stars, you know, but like the stars are also saying the lines that the writers wrote. So like, I, I really wish people check more of the uh, writers interviews out because that's where you find out more about the nuggets, you know, the, the deleted scenes and, and what I feel are from those interviews. And um, I'm almost kind of forgetting my point just to kind of give you guys context here, but uh, I get what you mean. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. The, the writing, they set things up for seasons. It's not just like last episode pays off this episode. It's two seasons ago pays off now. And it's like, get these writers an Emmy. Can we please right. get this show some Emmys? because it deserves it. It really, 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 really does. And it continues to disappoint me every year. With, I mean, yay yep. stunts. The stunts definitely deserve it. But can we please get some like writing, acting nominations for these people? Because right. yeah. Shout out to the stunts. It's almost kind of like, um, I, I, I don't think this is a great comparison, but like, the Karate Kid Part Two. That's an that's a Emmy. No Emmy. That's an Academy Award nominated movie. And mm -hmm. people are like, oh, really? For what? But well, for Glory of Love, you know. And so like, but so much more. And there's always so many uh, competition and stuff. You know, Cobra Kai is kind of in that same boat. There's so many great competitions. Sometimes they don't get nominated for categories that we they, they deserve. But it's still an uh, an Emmy nominated mm -hmm. show for mm -hmm. the stunts. So like, yeah. definitely hats off to the stunts because. You know, the, the, some of these guys, they are going all in. You know, you listen to that interview with um, Joe and Lewan. They talk about how uh, Billy and Tig, they are really hitting each other. And oh, yeah. I don't remember where it was, but in the uh, match in match point, Ralph and Billy, or I, I think it was at Pilly Fest during the panel. I think they talked about that, Ralph and Billy. And they were really going hard with each other. And they were like getting, you know, black and blue from those nights. So... Mm -hmm. I think Billy once said that Ralph's forearms are like steel. Yeah. He's like, ow, it actually hurts. Billy, he's also said that they're like, you know, twigs as well. You know, so yeah, it <laughs> kind of depends on the story, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the point I was uh, getting to about the writers, like, you know, we learned from the interviews with the writers that they have all these cards of like different points that they want to hit at some sometime during the season or maybe another season. So they keep moving things around. And so mm -hmm. I think that goes with like the setups as well. So they are very well crafting uh, the story. And I think that's why the story of this show is so good, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I don't know how other writers room do it, but I do question like, Cobra, I can do it. How come you can't, you know, but it's, it's just one of those things like, you know, you really can't recapture lightning in a bottle unless you're TV three. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so um, let's see here. The next sequence, uh, this is outside over in the pool area and Sam is getting some beer as Tori walks up behind her. Uh, and Sam turns around and calls her out for getting her sloppy seconds, I guess. Um, oh. And a half-eaten cupcake as well. Well, yeah. she offers that up, you know, might as well. Uh, <laughs> That's grotty. Oh, Sam. Obviously, oh. Yeah, right. Tori does take exception, which I, I believe she absolutely is in the right there mm -hmm. because she didn't, she, she didn't ask for this. Like, Sam yeah. really could have just not said anything, but she, she mm. got a Johnny. Right. I mean, Johnny yeah. says, don't take any shit from them and strike first, which Sam does. Yeah. I think it's also interesting here that at this point, Sam has taken off her shoes, but Tori is still in her heels. So Tori is like towering over Sam. And they're like, I think when they're both, you know, 
in in flats or whatever like there there's not a massive height difference between them but just like how much more height tori has in the scene over sam in just sort of so there's almost this sort of like cowering where tori's so almost leaning over sam and you can tell it it really is i think affecting sam and how she's feeling about this because she really does have to like look up at tori to talk to her and Tori, I don't think Tori went over with the intention of like getting physical here. She was just going to throw some words. She didn't really know that Sam was there, though. I, I don't think was she... someone else was. Was someone else was in front of Tori, and then those people moved away, oh, and right, then right, right, she yeah. could see Sam. Yeah. But actually, going back to what you were saying about height, um, Peyton is five eight. Mary's okay. five three. Oh, they're oh, they got five even... inches of. I, okay. I think five four and a quarter. It, okay. I, I know that Julia talked about it in the interview. Uh, she says that her and Mary, they're the exact same height. There's a quarter in there. I don't remember if it was five, three or five, four, but yeah, okay. just a few inches. Okay. And um, I was almost going to like kind of bring up Paley Fest, but I believe Peyton was wearing heels then too, because mm-hmm. I, I felt Peyton was pretty close to my height, but she had heels on and Mary was like a, a, a much shorter when she stood next to okay. me. And I, don't remember what kind of shoes she, I think she was wearing maybe some sort of boots with like really um, thin soles, I feel. Okay. So mm. there was definitely a height difference between the two in person. Um, okay. But but this one, uh, yeah, the heels uh, and then with Mary or Sam kicking off her shoes, yeah. they, they almost look like a foot apart, right? To kind of, kind of compare like um, Terry Silver and Johnny just recently. Yeah. So, I mean, there's probably a good, seven to eight inches then if Tori's got on like three inch heels at this point. Um, But again, you know, I think just going back to prom in general, this whole night, like Tori and Robbie, I don't think they ever had any intention of like getting physical with anybody or anything, you know, maybe saw them, maybe throw some words, you know, taunting, teasing, whatever. But, and Sam didn't have to either. Sam could have taken a step back and just walked away, but she couldn't. And Sam's the one that struck first and you can leave the well enough uh, alone you just yeah she just couldn't leave well enough alone yeah that uh, one too yeah and yeah sam struck first here which it's i was thinking about this um it's almost the reverse of the school fight where yeah. like in the school fight tori strikes first then you have um Robbie running in and sort of pulling Sam off of Tori there. Here you have Sam striking first and then Miguel runs in first, pulls Tori off of Sam, which then gets Robbie into the fight. And just again, the writers know what they're doing. I'm sure that was very intentional of who's starting things and who's coming in when to sort of mirror things that had happened previously and to see sort of the switch that these characters have made. Yeah, there's very few um, coincidences or ac- mm-hmm. happy accidents, you know, is yeah. what we want to call them. And the the only one that comes to mind immediately would be major pain. Like that wasn't intentional. Yeah. That just that was a you know coincidence. Oh wow, okay, he's major in pain. So it's like the movie because I think it was Michael who was like, oh, I didn't even realize that, and <laughs> you know, so yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, the so. Other- um, just the other interesting thing in the scene, which um, I hope it's something that's on the DVDs, but at the the Cobra Kai Live and Badass event from the Netflix is a Joke Festival a few months ago, um, I was lucky enough to be there, and they showed um, in the to us there in the audience a sort of side by side of the stunt team and um, 
I guess their, their previs of what this fight would look like with what the final product was. And it was just really interesting to see how it started to how it ended and sort of the little minor tweaks that would have to be made like on the day once you see maybe what exactly the location is and can this person throw that kind of thing? Oh, maybe not so much. Okay, so let's change it to that kind of thing. I always like those little behind the scenes making of bits that we get. So I hope that's on the DVD because it was really yeah. cool. I like seeing that stuff as well. Um, I believe there's a previs that exists of the LaRusso Mance uh, fight between the two the, the arriving dojos. And I know that Meryl Woods, who we previously interviewed, she directed episodes two and three or three and four. Somewhere kind of earlier, but um, she shared a previs on her Instagram account where she even used like little props and things like that to set up like the Johnny and Daniel Sensei uh, montage, you know, with mm. like the sparring deck and all that stuff. So those are really cool to see. Mm. So they kind of like already um, kind of map out right how mm-hmm. things are going to look and i i guess that's probably what directors do but we don't we don't see enough of that stuff right yeah like i used yeah. to watch this show on um i forget what channel it was but it was a show called like movie magic and basically it's just like the stuff that you would hope that are on dvds you know the behind the scenes stuff oh. and and that was going on for a while and i try to find it like now and again like on youtube and whatnot but um that's why i the, i podcast the way i do is trying to find out these nuggets because I love hearing them. Yeah, and yeah. I wish, yeah, more of this stuff was out there. So uh, during this fight, Robbie really puts a bug in Miguel's ear, you know. Um, well, and this is I, throwing off balance. This is the it really lesson. Is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is the lesson, but I, I don't think that is a conscious thing that Robbie is doing. I think this is just something he really believes. And yeah, just just uh, tells Miguel that, what, what does he tell him exactly? I don't he have to... Says... Uh, you think my he goes, you think my dad cares about you? He's just trying to make himself feel better for screwing up with me. Like he really hammers him with that. Like a normally you'd he'd probably say it in a sort of cool way, but he hits him with it. It's like mm-hmm. it's yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I the sad thing is I think there is a nugget of truth there. I don't think Johnny consciously thinks that's what he's doing, but there is maybe a bit of Johnny that's like, okay, I've, I've messed up with my son. I can never get that back. But here's this other kid who I haven't messed up with, who needs help. Maybe I can be some kind of father figure to him. And I, I do think there is that nugget of truth of, yeah, Johnny's doing this with Miguel because he didn't do this with Robbie. Yeah, I think you could kind of see that early um, on as well. And I, I kind of mentioned how, like, for no particular reason, other than, like, it's a great show and it's Cobra Kai, but I watched the first four episodes yesterday. Uh, just uh, I didn't even plan it. I just did. And um, I believe it was in 104 when Johnny goes to see Robbie at the apartment. Trey and Cruz is there. And I forget the exact conversation, but... Um, you know, Robbie basically tells him that he wasn't like going to re- go back to school or something. And then Johnny's like, you know, kind of like, fine, I don't care. You know, like I, I tried. It, w- it was basically his stance. And and Robbie was like, yeah, well, there you go. You know, that's you being you, right? Like yeah. you don't care. And mm-hmm. so um, and and then, you know, you would see how Johnny would be with Miguel after that. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of that for sure. Um. Yeah. So after the fight, uh, which uh, also funny enough, you know, uh, uh, Amy mentioned in the uh, the synopsis I read earlier that uh, you know all these '80s tropes, and so 
Like, <laughs> how the hell did Robbie fall for the oldest one in the book? I know. It's like, come uh, on, Robbie. You don't. Oh. I, yeah. I saw that telegraph from yep. like episode 407. Come on, Robbie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is mm-hmm. still pretty sweet. Like, you know, um, Steam Ray is like, oh, we're all jumping into the pool. No, you big dummy, but it's fine. You know? Yeah. 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 And everyone still had fun, with the exception of uh, Miguel and Sam, who kind of bicker on their way out, just wanting the night to end. Yeah. yeah. It just me that, like, Tori and Robbie are laughing. They're still having fun. It's like, yeah, they were just in the same fight as Sam and Miguel, and they're having completely different reactions mm. at the end of this once it's over. Which because is... they were there just to have fun. And and mm. we, we see that, you know, kind of unintentionally or not, uh, or in, intentional or not, um, uh, Sam and Miguel were affected by the, you know, pure mere mere presence of Tori and Robbie. Uh, you know that whole mm. evening, yeah, they did not and, expect to see them. Yeah, and Sam's, you you think I broke your heart? You broke mine too. They're yeah. like Sam and Miguel felt this fight a lot more personally, I think, than Tori yeah. and Robbie did. I had nothing good to say to the other two. Yeah, you know, Robbie had the good line. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam started it with those burns that were like, okay, yeah, whatever. So, you know, that's Tori accepting. Sure. Yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. Miguel and Robbie after you, whatevs, you know, um, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. So next sequence, uh, af- oh, after they leave. Do we have oh, to talk yeah. about this? Do we have yeah. to? <laughs> I will. <laughs> you guys can sit there and cry. It's fine. Um, Give me my tissues. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's just, let's so, just push for it. Yeah. yeah. Miguel arrives at Johnny's uh, to find him drunk, passed out on the floor next to the TV, beer still in hand. Mm-hmm. And he mentions the old man can kick, which Miguel's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, what, what are you talking about? Who, yeah. What old man? Um, what old? Yeah. You, you talking, yeah. talking about the Russo? Who, who are we talking about here? Yeah. Or, um, but yeah, just uh, in in the interview with Joe and the one, Joe mentions like he likes to imagine Johnny was home, maybe flipping the channels, and like Top Gun came on, you know. And obviously, earlier in the season, Carmen uh, had that talk with Johnny how like Daniel showed Miguel Top Gun, and so. Must have been watching it, and that's why he's still singing the Kenny Loggins song. And um, Joe mentioned how Billy didn't really quite know the song, and so that works to like drug Johnny trying to sing it. So yeah, I really like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I really, I mean, the fact that Miguel had to carry Johnny to bed. I yeah. mean, it should be the other way around. Yeah. Miguel gets tanked, and Johnny's like, "All right, kid, let's go to bed. Let's yeah. put you to yeah. bed." Whereas it's the other way around. I mean, he's a he's what sixteen, seventeen, carrying a, a almost fifty year old man to to bed like that's that's not something a child should ever have to do. No. Right. How but, do we um, think the TV fell? Uh, he slipped and fell on it. Yeah, I think he was just trying to walk somewhere and tripped over his own feet and smacked into the wall. Or Johnny fell in the TV thought, I'm going to fall too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I haven't fallen off the wall yet this season. I think it's about time. <laughs> yeah. He just gets right under the TV for no reason, you know. <laughs> um, or like, I like to imagine that he like, he sees Tom Cruise on the screen. He's like, nobody calls himself Maverick. He goes up there, like, tries to kick him in the face. But then it's the TV <laughs> instead that falls. <laughs> oh. Like he forgets he's watching a movie. Uh, Didn't Miguel yeah. walk in and say, he goes, oh, not again. Yeah. Now, is he talking about, because he was looking at the TV 
when he walks in and then he sees Johnny. It could be both. So he must you know. know, yeah. N- yeah. Not only is Johnny passed out on the floor again, but the TV's on the floor again. Like, yeah. I, I think it, it goes for both. Not mm-hmm. again for both of these. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like how he still has a beer in his hand. So either he fell with it in his hand or it dropped and he picked it up. It just didn't get a, get a good swig out of it. But yeah, um, Miguel takes him to the bed uh, and there's just this really sweet moment where Johnny's like, look, I want to be a father to you. I want to protect you. I just suck at it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. Um, but obviously this moment is coming where Miguel's like, look, you're, you're doing fine. I love you. And I love you too, Robbie. Oh, just one word just ripped my heart out of my chest and just yeah. stomped all over it. Like when I was watching this the first time after when season four dropped, I had to pause because I was just I was <laughs> sobbing so hard I could barely breathe at this point. It was also like 5 a.m. I'd been awake for over 24 hours. That might have had something to do with it. But just oh, and just the way Sholo's face just crumbles mm-hmm. too and he's just he like you can see him kind of like hunch it like what how what like he doesn't even know what to do with that how does he react how can he even move past this it's exactly. just completely heartbroken from whatever angle you look at it it is just the worst he's so choked up so mm-hmm. choked choked up and lost for words yeah yeah you can see Sholo's face. You know exactly when his heart breaks, when it, his jaw just goes. Uh, it's just like, oh, like, what? I think he's trying to say what, but like, oh, like it's just, and then he just leaves and just, yeah. Mm. Well, well, com- comedic moment from a comedy show. Love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, in the interview with Joan Luan, I'm going to keep referencing it because so so many good nuggets uh, in there. But uh, um, Joe kind of credits uh, Josh Hield for adding that Robbie line. Uh, just just the one word, you know, ch- changes the entire scene, uh, yeah. and and doesn't change the narrative of their story. So that's just you know, again, from the brilliant minds of uh, of these people. So we'll move it along because it definitely just killed it. Uh, Tori and Robbie are parked outside an amusement park, aka maybe golf and stuff. We don't know yeah. for sure. I was you wondering know, where some this kind was. of yeah fairground, yeah, something fairground, yeah, amusement park. And um, looks fun though. <laughs> it does look fun, and I think they're going to have some fun as well. Uh, Robbie mentions that he has to return the Ferrari the next day, and Tori has to return the dress, which I was really surprised because she still has a tag on it. She got it wet. I don't know if she can return it. May- I mean, it is just water, but water will probably have chlorine in it from the pool. Yeah, and like that—that yeah. that tag honestly should be that tag should not be as crisp and clean as it is because the tag, which is cardboard, also got wet. So the like the tag should be ruined. But I mean, there are some stores that will take stuff back, like no questions asked, if it still has the tag on it and is That's in true. vaguely sellable condition. There's a lot of stores that will just be like, okay, here you go. And there's right. some money back. So, and so I, 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 I'm assuming she's gonna pocket the money because why return it and then give it back to Silver? But I'm also <laughs> questioning why didn't he give her any money? So that's something to maybe keep an eye out on. Like we didn't get a sequence or any kind of dialogue where, like, oh yeah, Sensei Silver gave me money too. Because okay, well he gave Robbie the car. That's fine. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna drive them both, mm-hmm. right? 
but I mean, I I always assumed he gave her money because he says I'll take care of you, like implying both of them. And why she got to return the dress then? Because she has better things to spend that money on, like food and rent. She doesn't okay. need a five hundred dollar dress. That's useless to her. That she can fair. pay, you know, rent and buy or like, you know, her mom's medicine. Probably there, there's a lot better things she could spend that money on. So I, I, I don't fault her for what she what she ends up doing. No, that. no. Like when I say pocket the money, like I would obviously, yeah, the money would go to the family. But I guess me thinking that also made me think that maybe Silver didn't give her enough, you know, that she would have to do that. But yeah, I just felt like. I mean, I guess if she thinks that she can return it, get that money, right? But like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I'm like, you kind of damaged it, though. Like, how are you going to return it for money? You might as well just throw it away. You know, if Silver give you money, then there you go. But something to still possibly keep an eye on, maybe more of Silver visiting the uh, the Nichols household in season five. I'm not sure. So maybe a little speculation on my part. Yeah, he's not crease. He probably doesn't have that same level of empathy well the shade of empathy that crease has well we don't know because like this maybe is maybe for like, daniel but in a weird twisted way well that, that's just it right i mean this is part of the game because you know he knows what crease's weakness is he just beat up johnny and now he's got to get his hooks on robbie more right so so I think it's going to be a little bit different. The, the way he treats Robbie is because it is part of like the the long con of what's to come, I feel. Mm-hmm. So mm, they kiss and they have a good time. So yeah. don't they, need to think they, about that because they are children. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the next <laughs> next morning, Amanda and Daniel find uh, Anthony taking out the trash. Looks like uh, he learned his lesson. And I, I wrote down this is the best case scenario after what happened last night because I did not expect this. Yeah. Yay, Anthony. Like, I guess pulling some eagle fang on on Anthony was the way to go. Yeah. I and I do like, you know, to kind of think back uh the way Ralph um kind of his reaction, you know, uh, I it's not Daniel doing what Johnny does. It's Daniel doing what he thinks Johnny does. You know, like I I think it was like a last resort thing because it is definitely different. The, the 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 quiet and like the shouting. Because it was very disciplinary, and you know um, the way the way Daniel did it. Uh, but yeah, Amanda is extremely surprised, as we all are. Um, and you know, credits. Uh, does she say Miyagi magic? Yeah, she goes. Okay. Um, whatever Miyagi magic you you used, it worked. And I feel like that's the would have been the perfect time for her to go. It wasn't Miyagi magic. Yeah, it's Eagle well, Fang. Well, that's the that's the thing, right? I don't think he wants to admit it at this point. You know, no, that's why he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So that's like you see it in his face. It's like he he knows where it came from and just wasn't ready to say it yet. No. So um, then we cut back to the dojo where clearly somebody didn't get uh, some sleep, right? Because he's the boogeyman himself, right? He <laughs> uh, he's finishing up a <laughs> bottle, probably the one that he uh, opened up earlier. We did see him sipping on some brown liquor in a glass earlier. Now he's drinking out of the bottle and. Um, what what is he saying about the questioning? Yeah, it's it's kind of like what question you, no yeah. mercy, no bullshit. I prove my loyalty. I prove my like. He's saying yeah. I did that right. I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's really trying to make it. He's telling himself it's like no, I didn't screw up. I did everything right. Yeah, and he, he's being a bit Johnny here. Like he's sort of muttering to himself and getting having a bit of day drinking. Um, 
he's really saying, oh, no, I'm still loyal. I did, I did it right. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. The, um, and, and also, like, in my experience, liquor usually makes me pass out. So him being up, clearly there was a lot on his mind, but I'm sure there was a lot in other places as well. Um, so maybe he dabbled into his old medication. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe now um also with this here uh stingray shows up and oh. you know he clearly woke up got dressed and he's like ha i uh i played checkers last night and i'm feeling <laughs> good about this and so he shows up and he really um it's like, hey, hey, yo, you should ask the other students. Like, they all want me to be here too. And Silver, remembering from earlier in the episode, it's like, what are you doing here? Chris says he doesn't want you here. Um, Pulling just that really... back out of my pocket. This there you is go. Where it comes in. Yep. There it is. And yeah. well, I mean, the sting- it doesn't help Stingray when he also says, like, you know, I'll. Does he say I'll do whatever it takes? Like something in that vein, at least. Yeah. He says to him, he goes, um, he goes, um, it's it's all I ever think about. Uh, he said, I'll do anything, please. Like I think that he sounds like a little, like a little. Um, he he basically is almost a child here, saying, "Please teach me how to fight." Like it's it's heartbreaking because he didn't grow up. He is Peter Pan. He never mm-hmm. grew up. He has this Peter Pan complex where mm-hmm. he just hasn't grown up. Yeah. Right. I think we also see here just how quickly Silver's mind works because this couldn't have been a plan. There was no way to plan this, but like in walks Stingray, Silver needs to do something about Crease. He's doing about mm. Cobra Kai. Ah, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. And. It's I think insane. now you were saying he kept him in his pocket and I th- I think that happened here. Yeah. I don't think it happened when he first met Stingray. He was like, he probably would have been like, well, that was weird. Mm. A fully grown man in a Cobra Kai gi and a white belt. That doesn't make sense. Um, so I think now belt. he's thinking. Yeah, it's Stingray. Yeah, 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 yeah it's Stingray. Yeah, when he came belt. in, it was white belt. Some- yeah. Yeah, for some reason, I felt like he was like either yellow or orange at this point. But he no, apparently was on his way to becoming a yellow belt in No Mercy when he okay. was talking to the principal. Mm-hmm. Got it. See, I, I knew there was some talk somewhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, and Terry Silver has that epiphany, you know, so you want to be Cobra Kai. So he's like, are you sure about this? You know, like hindsight, because yeah. like I remember going in and I was literally I was like I had. You know, I had the um, the Ace Ventura look where he's like both hands ripping out his hair like, because I was just like, what is going on here? I had no idea. And yeah. I knew it was not good. Me and Bree, we were watching it together and we were both like, oh, no, oh, no. And she was basically shouting at Stingray to get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I was just like, I, I was lost for words. I'll just watch it basically paralyzed. I just I, I had no words. And I was like, this is not good. So, so you want to be a Cobra Kai? I like, go ahead and say it because I got something up my sleeve here. If you if you really want to do it, I can yeah. make it happen. And yeah, he um he slaps uh, Stingray in the face and uh, oh. <laughs> no. Stingray I mean, uh, does not deserve well, this as no. much as you may not like him. Like what Stingray no. does not deserve. No, I mean nobody deserves this, but like not even no. Stingray. I bet you, this. Greg would even feel bad 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Greg would feel uh, bad about this. I, mm, well, I mean, I he did just Greg beat him up. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Greg would probably be like, "Okay, you know what? Well, Greg wouldn't feel bad. He would be like, well, maybe he shouldn't have uh, broken my arm." <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, I don't think know. Greg would probably I think Greg would probably wet himself and run out the gym and he goes, "Hey, look, he beat in his pants." <laughs> you know it'd be funny if uh if Stingray woke up and next to him was Greg with a, you know, like his arm in a cast. <laughs> like, oh, God, I can't get away from you, can I? <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, this. Oh, man. I didn't uh, count, you know, the many kicks to the face or how many repeats. It's just brutal, you guys. You know, yeah, you guys last, seen it. Oh, yeah. That last axe kick to the face was just like, oh. And it like, and it still fa- it fades out while Silver is like still pounding down on him just how long did that go on for and you hear his laugh yeah the the piano from from the beginning of the season yeah which um i decided to look into that the music because uh i i'm a i'm a band geek so anytime there's like classical music and stuff i gotta know what it's about Um, were you in band yeah i played flute for 12 years yeah did not know that i played trumpet for three Yeah. Okay. I actually, I actually got a partial music scholarship to college. Awesome. Or... I discovered girls and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and I did go to band camp too. So uh-huh. yeah, that sounds uh-huh. fun. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so this is by uh, Gianluca Luisi. Um, it's uh, the Grande Etude de Paganini, uh, Suite One Forty One, Number Three in G Sharp Minor, also known as La Campanella. Which uh, that explains it, the comment you made about like the the um, the notes. I was like, yeah, why is she talking about the notes? Okay, yeah, because yeah, you were so, holding that. For uh, this. La, La Campanella is Italian for the bell, so those kind of um, higher notes at the end there. Um, so these are actually uh, piano etudes that were transcribed from um, pieces written by Franz Liszt for the violin. Apparently, Luisi heard these and were like, I wonder how those would sound on this piano, and like transcribe them down for the piano in that same voice yes. um <laughs> and um it's interesting because this is also apparently one of the most difficult piano pieces ever written and uh i actually like looked it up on youtube to like listen to the whole thing it's only like five or six minutes you can find it and it is it is hard so if that really was thomas ian griffith playing it at the beginning well, I mean, there's like 10, 11 key like jumps up there. It is fast. It is short little. It is, it is a, it eerie. Is, yeah. And it, it is a very technical piece. It is. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wait, Does I'm sorry. Fingers help. Sorry. <laughs> it weren't, weren't John Wicked Louise. He's the pianist who played the thing. I looked up a list, transcribed them from Paganini's violin mm. pieces. That's who it is. But yeah, go look it up. It's it's very it's very tech- it's very cool. I like it a lot. But this is now sort of unofficially in my brain. At least this is this is Terry Silver's theme for me. This piece. Yeah, I, I do like that. Um, I you know I I agree with you there that this is like I, I can't associate this with anything else other than Terry Silver now at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that that wraps up our review. Uh, we do have a piece of feedback. Uh, it, it's actually um, an email, and I, I, I don't get those um, like at all. And it's not like I don't want them. It's just we don't really uh, put that out there. So I I do appreciate the emails for sure. I mean, if they're at least like 
for the podcast because I get so many that are like, hey, can I be in season six? I'm like, dude, I don't work for the show. <laughs> so there's a lot of that too. There's a lot of that. It's cute. Um, but this uh, this comes from um, a listener of the show, Rose. Uh, she says, hi, Peter. Thanks for the podcast. I really enjoy it. On a recent episode, uh, uh, Pialani seemed a little confused about the meaning of Mana from Heaven. Uh, and just, just to add to that, I, I was too. Um, and she wanted to clue us in. Uh, Mana is a gift from God, first explained in the Bible, Old Testament, Exodus uh, 16.4-31. Um, I don't know how to say scriptures. Chapter I, I, 16, I right. verse, uh, what was, what? Chapter 16, 16 verse, verses 4-31. Verses 4-31. Okay. And so uh, she continues, where bread rained down on people, say... So they wouldn't starve to death. Uh, it's also mentioned later in the New Testament of the Bible. Therefore, when Terry Silver exclaims, Mana from heaven, baby, he means this is a gift from God. Keep up the good work. Best regards. Your friendly neighborhood Sunday school teacher, Rose E. So thank you so much, Rose. I, I really love the, uh, the, the, the way you signed that at the end, too. So. Yeah, obviously it's in the context, but just just more on that for those that uh, um, aren't privy to you know the the Bible and such. Because I, I grew up Buddhist, so uh, I, I did not know that at all. And I, I can't speak for Pialani, obviously, since she's not here. So I'm not sure if she she probably didn't know that either. So there you go. You be learning always. Yep. Uh, so that that's it again, you guys. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me reviewing 408, you know, for those that, you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> Anything for you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> thank you, know, you, mate. Thank you, Dorian. Uh, all the thank yous. But uh, Carrie, <laughs> you know, you also host uh, Win Window of Opportunity. Can you, t uh, again, kind of talk about that show and where listeners can find you? They want to continue the conversation. Uh, yeah, so it's called Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. And as you might suss from that title, we are rewatching the Stargate, the series Stargate SG-1. Uh, we're currently just uh, starting season four. And it's just basic episode reviews where we talk about everything that goes on in the episode. I pull out some fun facts every now and then of just, you know, there's a couple episodes ago where Jack said, like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. So I was like, where did that come from? And just you know, research whatever piques my interest on things. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can also find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch. There's a, a links there to all of the episodes as well. And if you want to find me personally, I uh, Twitter, Instagram are probably the main ones at switch842. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel where I make fan vids for Cobra Kai, Stargate, and a few other fandoms. Uh, I'm on AO3 if you want to look into fanish creations. And I'm not super active, but, you know, come say hi. Yeah. And just to add to this, you know, since we do share um, a lot of similar uh, li listeners, the Cobra guys, they yeah. uh, they're big fans of you. And yeah. so yeah, they were, so they they, were on an, an early uh, season one episode of my podcast because they're also fans of Stargate. And I was like, I need help because I don't know what podcasting is. I was like, please come help. Yeah. So, they, so, yeah. so there you go. They're cool if, guys. Um, they're great. They really are. Obviously, um, many of you guys have heard them on the the Match Point uh, episode, and so um, lo love those two, Mikey and Jeremy. That they're great, and so uh, I know they're big fans of yours. I, I kind of want to put that out there. So basically, what you're telling me is um, uh, you, you don't just podcast; you actually do some research. You know, so yes. I think that's that's what listeners <laughs> yeah. like. Like you know, yeah. like yeah, if you 
like for for me, like maybe I should have you know looked up the monitor from heaven. But you know, not that I rely on my guest hosts, but I hope they also bring some things like that too. Yeah. You know, um, otherwise I'd be just writing the notes for everybody. Then it'd be scripted. Nobody wants that. Uh, Dorian, um, again, you do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, so I'm not sure just too much for you to pimp out. But um, you you take over in how you want to close out. Yeah, well, you can find me on TikTok, uh, call underscore me underscore Dorian, because um, a lot of people can't pronounce, some, you guys can, but some people can't pronounce my name correctly. Um, and that's about it. I'm not that active on Twitter. I'm mostly active through Facebook and through the um, www.cobracai, uh, sorry, let me just start that again. www.cobracai.com. Period. <laughs> it's like I'm active on there a lot. And I wouldn't be on this if it weren't for Peter. He's just, it's its really incredible. And this is a really fantastic podcast. So, yes, I do a bit of, I'm starting to do a bit of uh, behind the scenes stuff. And it's, I love being a producer. It's never really realized how exciting of a role it is until I got stuck into this. And, and not only that, it's, it's kind of a thankless role too. Like, you know, I mean, everything that all the, the everyone in the admin team does for the show, I don't thank you guys enough um, because like, you know, I, I try to keep tabs on everything that's going on, all the chitter chatter. And I don't engage in a super ton of it, but I'm at least, you know, trying to stay up to date and what's going on with you guys' personal lives and stuff like that too. You know, we are all people and everything uh, that you guys do for me is always just kind of a, um, um, you know, added bonus, you know, a plus, you know, for everything that we do. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Dorian, for all the nice words. I'll definitely send that check immediately after the the, the recording here. Um, <laughs> for, for me, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter uh, at Cobra Kai Pod or on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast, companion with a K. I'm active, pretty active on both uh, points. Recently, I just broke 13,000 followers on on Twitter so that's Woo-hoo! that's really exciting. A lot of a lot of awesome people follow me there. Um so so that's a lot of fun. I you know, I do a lot of like trolling. Like I I hope people <laughs> kind of get my humor you know like some things are, are like tongue-in-cheek or some things are like i intentionally tweet out just to kind of stir a reaction so i hope nobody like thinks that i am like one way about like a certain dojo or whatever it's all love and for fun and uh, i just like look i'm i'm different you know so, so i uh, you, you can compare me to a lot of the other content creators in terms of their social media presence i am not like the other guys so um i, I like to uh, march to the beat of my own drum as some would say so uh thanks everybody for your guys's continued support uh please keep it locked here and if you're a newer listener and have not yet please consider leaving an itunes review it's free you know it takes maybe a couple minutes and um with season five coming out soon People are probably going to start their rewatch of Cobra Kai, start looking up podcasts and stuff, and your rating and review will help the visibility of our show. So um, thanks again. That will do it. And until the next episode, you mess with the Cobra, you get the fangs. Haven't you done enough, princess? Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zapka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. 
Keep your eyes open for season two, Cobra Kai, April 24th. We'll see you in the dojo, no mercy. Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Thanks for listening to the Cobra Kai podcast. We're all pumped up for season two coming April 24th, 2019, all 10 episodes. You are gonna have so much fun. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, be well, till next time.